Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. The podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? I'm um, kind of like the Texas weather. One day I'm hot, next day I'm cold, <laughs> rainy, sunny. I'm, I'm okay. No, that's, it, that's how I'm it's been around now. here, guys. Yeah, exactly. It's been rainy, it's been cold, and some days it's just pleasant. I yeah. mean, you know, it just depends. But that's how winters are here in Texas. Like too. a perfect summer day. In, in the middle of January. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But anyway, so we're, we're glad to be back here, guys, with episode 27. And before we get started, Tim, I want to just tease a little something that we do have an update on Stan's Dragon's Lair stuff from USPS. We know at least, we at least have an update. We yeah. don't know <laughs> for sure exactly what's going on, but we have an update for you. We'll tell you that at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. Tim, before we get started, though, how are you doing? How are things going? I'm okay. You know, busy time of year for us. A lot of people think in the summer that we're really busy. The busiest time is actually in January when the weather's crazy like this. People don't have a lot to do. You can't go to the lake and so forth, so people are coming in. So we're really busy on the weekends. And then during the week, I'm repairing everything that got tore up. And, <laughs> and then having, and then the so whole cycle starts over again, right? I, I'm working a lot of hours staying busy, but, you know, it's a good time to get some projects done, too, or cosmetic issues. I know you like guys have been running a lot of token deals over at uh, the old Chuck E. Cheese. I've been seeing coupons and stuff yeah, in the paper. Yeah, you know, they yeah. just keep throwing out, you know, it's competitive. Oh, yeah. And, and it's funny here, we don't have a lot of arcades left, but, so, you know, and the ones that are open, man, you got to have something to... To really compete, that's why we tell people a lot of times that we have a lot of our listeners that think they're just going to go and buy some machines at auction and start a business. You better have a hook or something or some really good food <laughs> or something to, to dig people in. It's a pretty competitive business. Definitely. And even around here, Tim, like you said, where there's not a lot of arcades, you're still trying to compete with movies. You're trying to compete with all these different industries in your own towns. And it can be a little bit of a challenge. But, you know, Chuck E. Cheese does a really good job of marketing and everything, so I'm, I'm sure you guys will be busy for a long time to come. But, Tim, let's go ahead and work into the website questions real quick. And the first one we have is Jeff. And Jeff says, I have a kangaroo arcade game from the 80s. My problem is the game works great still, but it was set off for about six months. I turned it on last week, and now it has green horizontal lines from top to bottom. You can still see the game, and it plays well, but how do I get rid of these lines? So, Tim, we have Jeff here, kangaroo. He's got some green horizontal lines going through it. What can Jeff do in order to get these green horizontal lines out of his screen? Well, you know, it could be something simple as an adjustment, and he can watch our adjustment video because sometimes you get too much brightness, you'll get some of that. Sure. But the fact that it's set up for a while, and this is probably a good time to recommend that it really is a good thing that you do turn your game on occasionally. Six months is a long time to go. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, we've had them... Set up for a lot longer than that and still worked okay. Yeah. Probably what happens is some of the capacitors are starting to fail. And if he did a cap kit, if he tries to adjust and the adjustment doesn't work and then he did a cap kit, that probably would solve his issues. And I'm with you here, Tim. I think that's probably what's what's happening here in Jeff's case is that, you know, his adjustments might have become, you know, just a little bit tweaked whenever he moved the game perhaps. True. And uh, so the green might have been turned up a little bit more than he wanted it to. If he can go in there and adjust it, and if it doesn't adjust, I think a cap kit should solve this problem too. So, Jeff, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck with your kangaroo repair. Tim, didn't we have a kangaroo at one time? Yeah, we bought a kangaroo, uh, and man, that thing was, 
I, I, don't, I think I remember I spotted one in yeah. somebody's garage when I was going down the road, and I called you or I called Stan. And I was like, "Hey guys, I saw a kangaroo in this guy's garage." I thought it was a it dig was, dug. It though. was near my father-in-law. That's right. And uh, we picked it up. Uh, man, that game was, was talk about a rat's nest. <laughs> it was bad. I think we got it for like twenty bucks though. Took it right near Pop's house since he was nearby, and then he totally restored it. You remember that? It was like we had it at the pinball festival a few years back. Maybe right. you see some of the older pictures, and everybody was like, because Kangaroo is one of those games where I like Kangaroo. I yeah, really like to play it. It's kind of a good game to have, but it's usually not like somebody's holy grail. Right. It doesn't fetch a lot of money, and we just had the best-looking one ever. I mean, Pops totally restored it. It was the best-looking kangaroo I'd ever seen. People would say that. They were like, man, that was like... The, and I think we sold it for like $400. I think so. Of course, we probably put that much in paint and oh, yeah. cleaning and stuff alone into it. But at the same time, I, I guess maybe it's floating around the Dallas area somewhere. <laughs> well, that like, was a cool game. Like we always talk about, Tim, that is actually somebody's holy grail. There's somebody right. out That's there true. who specifically remembers playing Kangaroo and having a good time with it. So it's good that mm-hmm. that went to somebody. Hopefully that was yeah. going to enjoy it. So. And it's funny because he starts off the email with, it's from the 80s, you know, like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jeff. But, All these know, games like, are from the 80s, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I do remember there was a kangaroo near my house, and it's probably one of the games that I played uh, quite a bit because it was at like a 7-Eleven type store. And they probably had like a Pac-Man, a Miss Pac, or a Miss Pac-Man, and then the kangaroo. You know, wasn't very many there. But had to give it some variety, Tim. That's the that's the key, right? When you're an operator, have, you know, you can have a Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man, but no, not the Galaga mm-hmm. kangaroo instead. You know, variety. The game has a lot of funny sounds. Right. Well, anyway, Jeff, hopefully it answers your question, and good luck with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move on to Doug. Now, Doug says I have a Balabas BL25C90T TriSync monitor. It's been working great for over two years, and then suddenly the green color stopped working. The VGA cable and both end connectors are working and tested. I see no bulge caps or any other obvious defects. I'm not sure where to start, and can I find any online materials to help me out? Any ideas? Thanks, Doug. Now, Tim, I'm questioning him because he says he can't find any online materials, but I specifically (laughs) remember shooting a video on on checking a monitor tube where we talk about colors being out on monitors. That's exactly why we shot this tube. And we've had some guys write in and talk about the success they've had. Yeah. Because you do need to determine, is it my tube, Mm -hmm. which could need rejuvenated, or is it my chassis? So that's all he needs to do is watch our video on that. And uh, he needs to determine, is it his tube or is it his chassis? He he did the right thing. He looks like he's checked his connections. And he doesn't see any bulge caps. Right. I would say, and that's a great thing we always talk about, to do a visual inspection, guys. Shine a flashlight. Look, but you know, I would probably say nine out of ten caps I've seen that are bad right. don't look that bad. Sure. They look fine, or they're starting to fail. But he lost total green, so it could be a transistor too right. on his neck board. We've shot plenty of videos on this, Doug. So check our site out a little bit more. I think you will find some information. We won't go into a lot of details yeah. now, but keep us informed. Let us know how it's going. Yeah, checking a monitor tube is the one he definitely needs to check out. The post he definitely needs to check because out because you need to determine first of all, is it your chassis? or your tube, and that's such a, uh, a quick, simple test 
Once you do that, then we can kind of go from there. Especially, you know, Tim, that's especially important if you've ever removed the neck board before because it's so tricky putting the neck board back on the monitor tube. And a lot of times guys will bend pins or they'll maybe even break a pin. And once you do that, you know, right. the, the chances of you getting that color back are, are very slim to none. Sure. And so, you know, that's something to always keep in mind. If you've removed neck boards before, be either, very careful. Either with that. that or the they add that silicone looks like caulking on there. Yep. What was the fear I, that they were just going to tow? I guess when they transported these games, they go over the operator. Right. You know, they're always, I, I see operators still in town. The other day, I'm here they go. They've got a cruising exotica going down the road. You know, they're moving it from one location to the other. So I can kind of understand, but, you know, be careful of that, too. you got to kind of get scrape that silicone off. Definitely. So, Doug, hopefully answers your question. Yeah, check out that video on checking a monitor tube and let us know what you come up with there. Like Tim said, could very easily be the tube. Could also be the transistor as well. You know, just check those out. See what you come up with. Okay, Tim, let's move to Lawrence. And Lawrence says, hello, I have an original Atari stand-up Star Wars arcade game. This game has worked well for several years now, but it is not working now. The power comes on, lights. However, there's only static sound and no picture. Originally, when the game started going out, the teaser screen was fine. Along with the sound, but during play, the moving ships were very distorted, elongated. This sometimes would stop and the game would play fine, but eventually it reached the current condition. I live in central Indiana and cannot seem to find anybody to repair this game. No one has returned my phone calls or emails. I have two questions. Based on my poor description above, do you have any thoughts as to a possible cause? And would your set of videos help me work on and repair this older arcade game? I have good experience with soldering and have worked a little on circuitry and know how to use a volt slash ohm meter. I do not have an oscilloscope or any advanced equipment. I do not want to attack this game unless I have a good chance of fixing it. Thanks. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Lawrence from Greenfield, Indiana. Okay. So, Tim, we have Lawrence here. He's got a stand-up Star Wars arcade game from Atari. Uh, most of you guys know this is a color vector monitor in these, right. Tim, that, that are inside of them. And I wish Stan was here today because he actually has one, but we'll try to do our best without it. What do you think's going on here, Tim? It sounds like he's not getting any sound or just the static sound and no picture now. Well, do you think it's his board? Do you think it's his monitor? What do you think's going on? Well, most of the time when we're questioning, we're saying, it could it be his monitor? If it was just his monitor, you'd still hear game sound, and Star Wars definitely makes a lot of sound. Oh, it definitely does. So, In fact, if you heard our last podcast, you probably heard a little bit of that Star Wars right. sound in the background. So uh, the fact that he's getting distorted sounds and stuff, he could have a board issue, but... We're going to go back with the ASAP. Remember the ASAP? Uh, that's right. Always start at power. That's right. And he does say that he has a voltmeter. Right. So he definitely needs to check his voltages. He needs to download the pinouts to the game and check where his 5 volts and 12 and all that so forth would be going. Also, there's some checks on his monitor. We haven't really done much on a vector repair. Honestly, you know, that's not one of our areas of expertise. Right. At the same time, I, I have a feeling that he definitely needs to start with his power. Right. Or his board. Even if he needed to send, I would highly recommend for this game maybe um, Electron Forge yeah. or Eldorado Games or one of our, check our vendors. You might even ask somebody, hey, can I send you my board and can you test it for me? I understand what he's saying. Not very many people you're going to call up or going to return a call on an old Atari Star Wars game. Exactly correct. But at the same time, there are plenty of guys on the Internet, if he does a research for who does Atari Star Wars repair, some of those guys are really good, and they can help him determine. He might need to send his power board in or get a kit from Bob Roberts Repairs Power Board. There's some checks and stuff that we talk about on the older power supplies 
that will help him on that if he'll watch those videos. Definitely. And, of course, we'd always love you to invest in a set of our videos, Lawrence, if, asks, you, if you want to. Yes, right? would they help? And, yes, there are some stuff on our videos that aren't free on the website. Yeah, we definitely feel like it would help. Another thing is he says he doesn't know if it's worth it. Well, one thing about Star Wars, it's a highly collectible game. Yes, it is. If you spent four or $500 fixing it, you could get that money back because, and I think the value on it has not dropped much. And it's going to stay up, so I definitely think you could probably fix just about anything on it for like a couple hundred dollars. So yeah. even if you had to send it off or wait for some time to get it back, I definitely think it's worth repairing. And I'm with you too, Tim. Definitely worth repairing. The question I think he really has is, is this beyond his expertise? And I probably think, so. Yeah, it's really it going to depend on what is. the problem is. If the problem is in the board probably something he needs to ship off. Well, just because I can be honest and say I don't do a lot of Star Wars board repair myself, I would probably send it off. Right. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a di little bit different animal, not a whole lot different, but at the same time... If you're, unless, good, with the, if you're good with the schematic, you can always... If it, was, <laughs> if it was just a monitor issue, I would tell them, they, people who work on them and, 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 and myself... They're not that hard to repair, right. but I'm not convinced this is not a board or a power supply issue, so he needs to check the voltages. Uh, one other thing he says is that he doesn't have an oscilloscope. Right. Well, I don't either anymore. Right. I, I traded mine to Stan, and so it is kind of in the family if I need to go and use it. Right. But to be honest with you guys, I, I don't – There's there's just not a – a lot of practicality in owning one. It's cool to have. Right. I have used it in well, certain circumstances. It depends on it depends on who you are. If you're the kind of guy who does board repair every weekend, yeah, then you yeah, go. you need you need an oscilloscope, you know. But I mean, if you're if you're I don't know if you're an average hobbyist and you're just out in your garage working on games and things like that, I might agree with you a little. Well, bit. Well, we used to have one in every store. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. chicken cheese. Yeah, and and I don't know of a store that has one now. Right. I mean, it's just because. You can send the board off and get it repaired. Way cost. I mean, it takes a lot of boards fixed to pay for an oscilloscope, unless right. you find a good deal on a used one or something. Yeah. Or check your local TV repair shops. They may have one. They would <laughs> trade you or, or uh, sell you real cheap. But, there you go. But anyway, just a few additional points there that he talked about. Man, we do so much with a good voltmeter, though. Yeah. For what we do. And logic probes, too. I mean, you can yeah. do a lot with those things, too. So I mean, you can do a lot of that stuff. But uh, Lawrence here, I, I really think that, you know, aside from, you know, checking your power and, and checking some obvious stuff that, like Tim said, might be a little bit beyond your expertise. Might be good to send this board off to somebody who does do this, you know, as a full-time job or, yeah. or has well, a lot more of experience. If it was a Pac-Man or a Miss Pac-Man, there's so much information on the Internet. And if he does know how to solder and desolder, we're talking about a Star Wars, a very... I'm just saying the game is worth it, not to not a very good game if you don't know what you're doing. I would send it off because of the value of the game. You don't want to mess up a Star Wars board. In other right. words, they hold a lot of value. Okay. So, Lawrence, hopefully answers your question. And, of course, we'd love for you to buy our set, and it would at least teach you a little bit more about video games. And, of course, that is available, Tim, on our online store for $45 if you want the complete set. Right. Or we have the individual DVDs you can buy as well. Tim, I haven't mentioned this to you, so we're going to mention okay. it on the air. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about getting color-printed discs for the Volumes 1 and 2 as well. Oh, okay. Like we have for the Volume 3. Sweet. And we might offer up a deal for those of you who have already bought the Volumes 1 and 2 but would like to get the colored discs. So we're still discussing this, but um, we'll look at that for the future. Just something to keep in mind. So uh, just watch our post, watch the Facebook page and the Twitter account, and uh, we might be posting something about that soon. But anyway, uh, Lawrence, hopefully answers your question, and good luck with your repair on your Star Wars arcade cabinet. 
you know, we we sell a lot of DVDs, mostly to newbies. I would say anybody out there listening, if you've been doing this less than a year and you only watch our YouTube videos and you don't have the DVDs, because the DVDs have a lot of special and some some simple stuff, some extra stuff that we don't uh, share freely online. But if you've been doing this less than a year, then you probably should. It probably should be one of the first things that you buy, I think, would help. Uh, those new person if you've been doing it over a year you probably have tackled a lot of the extra stuff that or you're you know getting pretty salty you can write in ask questions but some of these guys are really asking some simple <laughs> questions that would be covered on there and they would get a response right away because we we're right there right and you can use it rewind some people say well why do you put it on a dvd it's just for the convenience yeah i can watch it on youtube but i can also take a, any tv or whatever put it in rewind it pause it stop it it's just a, a different form, and you can like always and you can always be confident that if the entire internet went down, you could still watch our videos. There you go. <laughs> or, or if a SOPA or PIPA or something <laughs> came along, anyway, I'm not going to get too much into that, Tim. <laughs> yeah. And decided that they want to take down our videos, you could still have access to. That's them. right. So, anyway, so Lawrence, hopefully answers your question, and good luck with your future repairs. Okay, Tim, let's go to Bill. Now, Bill says I work at a community center, and we have three arcade machines: an arcade Legends, a Game Room Classics, and a Midway. We've been having a hard time finding someone who will work on our machines. The Arcade Legends has some controller problems, but I was able to order switches and replace them. The trackball stopped working, and I ordered a replacement. I installed it, and it still does not work. Can you give me an idea of what the problem might be? I did take the unit out to make sure it was installed correctly, and it still doesn't work. This is the most popular of the games, and without the trackball, several games are not accessible. Okay, so Tim, we have Bill. We are familiar with the Arcade Legends. They're the officially licensed kind of multi-cade that you can buy. It has a lot of classic games that they play. And he's right. Without the trackball, there's a lot of games that just aren't as fun. You know, Centipede with a joystick just right. doesn't work for me. And I understand what Bill's issue is here. Now, Tim, this does sound, to me anyway, like a simple wiring problem. What do you think? Well, yeah, this is a great question because we haven't got a lot of questions like this. Yeah. But here's how a trackball works. Everybody, for practical purposes here... Think of your mouse as that your mouse is pretty much is, is a big is a trackball. Well, you have to have certain things. You have to have a wires. You have to be have to have a ground. Then it has to have movement. In other words, when you go to the left, it hits a switch. Go to the right, up and down. So you'll have those just like on a joystick. The what it definitely has to have though before it will work, just like your uh, mouse in your uh, computer. You got to either have batteries or five volts. That's where he needs to check. Make sure he's getting voltage up there in his wiring. The especially if it's brand new. Now, if he, he said he was trying to rebuild the used one, we'd probably go into a little more detail. Sure. I cannot see it being any other issue than a wiring or, like I said, a voltage issue. Now, the only thing is he says it doesn't work, but he doesn't say exactly what the problem is. And a lot of times people will mount the trackball in the wrong position as well. And so your right and left might end up being up and down, That's and your true. up and down might end up being right and left. But the fact that he says it does not work makes me think it's not working at all. Most of the time the red wire is going to be your 5 volts, right. and the black would be ground. Most of the time. I don't know his situation, but I assume they wired it. It's also JAMA. Right. So he could trace it back. We need to make sure that he is getting power up to it, and then we can kind of go from there. Maybe a little more details, Bill, if you would, on what do you mean not working, like totally doesn't register. you know. And we also want to start simple. Have you went into the settings yep. of the game to see if the trackball was turned off? Right. I have seen that where only the joystick, does the joystick work? 
Well, you know, one of the things he does say is that it was working and it stopped. He oh, says okay. it stopped so working. So he probably makes, didn't mess with the settings. Right, which makes me think that it was actually working. But something to mention about that test mode is a lot of times in the test mode, it has a switch test in there where you right. can test all your stuff. So you can go into the switch test, hook up that trackball, and see if he's getting, you know, basically some numbers changing whenever he moves that trackball around to see if it might be oriented wrong sure. or whatever the case is, to see if it's even registering. But, Tim, I think if it, it really sounds like in this case it's probably not registering at all, and I tend to agree with you. You, that's probably a power issue. He probably doesn't have power hooked up to his trackball. Uh, Tim, I love the lighted trackballs. I think we put one on a 60 and one for mm-hmm. your wife. And I, I tell you what, they always look so nice. You know, a lot of people, you know, they can't figure out how to get the voltage up to the light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. but you just, you can split that off a lot of times from the voltage going to the trackball itself. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, for those of you guys who might be having problems with that, just keep that in mind as well. So, Bill, hopefully that answers your question on your Arcade Legends. Tim, something else I should mention is that we're still in our backlog. So all these questions that we're doing are from, like, October. Okay, wow. <laughs> so, okay. you know, sorry to everybody. We're still playing catch-up a little bit. Well, you know, we we do the questions for this person. A lot of times we'll send you a personal response, but we also do it for future repairs. And also, you guys can be challenging yourself and if you run across it. So hopefully this will help. Definitely. So, Bill, hopefully I answered your question. Good luck with the repair on your Arcade Legends. and Let us know if you need any more help from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to James. Now James says, hello there, I am new to arcade game repair and I need a little help with a small problem I am having. So I just got this War Final Assault cabinet for free because it didn't turn on. I replaced the IEC cable and now it boots up, but the monitor never turns on. Poking around inside, I found a three lead wiring harness that isn't connected to anything near the power supply. I'm assuming it's to power the monitor. I follow that wiring harness down to the bottom near the transformer block where it ends, but the harness isn't hooked up to anything on the transformer. I cannot find a place to plug it in. There is an IEC female looking jack on the side of the transformer that isn't in use, but it needs an adapter of some sort to fit. Here's another video. I tried to follow the wires down from the monitor to the power supply where it isn't plugged into anything. I tried to get a detailed shot of Transformer 2. Hope that helps. Thanks. So, Tim, we have James here, and it looks like James has a video, basically, of some of the stuff that he was explaining to us in the description. Did you have a chance to kind of check out this video at all? Okay, James, I looked at that video, and, and yeah, the three-lead harness that's coming down is definitely the monitor. What you first thing you need to do is about six inches or so from your monitor is a, is a connector right there. Right, I saw that. You could unplug that connector and measure and make sure you're getting voltage up there because it looks like that's going all the way down to his isolation transformer, right. and that's okay. Oh yeah. You need to see if you're getting power up to your monitor. Now, as far as the other two-pin you're worried about not going anywhere, well, it may not need to go anywhere. What they do a lot of times, they'll have auxiliary plugs, right? or it could be going up to your lighting, or it could be to the monitor, or supposed to be going to the monitor. So if you don't have power going the other way, then you can measure the voltage to your blank plug, and if there is 120 there, you could tap into that. And that would give you power to your monitor. Sure, and you're exactly if I, right. If that made a lot of sense, I hope. But look, it's a good video. Thank you for shooting that. Well, another thing, though, is he needs to make sure that that power is also coming off that isolation transformer, especially if the monitor requires an isolation transformer. That is true. And so you, he might be careful about tapping into that power if he's not in power. Yeah, you have to go. When I'm talking about tapping into I'm going to the isolation transformer first. Right. So most older monitors require isolation transformer. You definitely don't want to plug it in without it. 
So that was a good point, Jonathan. Yeah, Thank well, another thing is, but you are, you might be correct here, Tim, because War Final Assault is a newer game. I think it might even be in the 2000s. That's what I was thinking, right. is that the monitor was newer, but, you know. Yeah, so I mean, this could be a newer game. In that case, it might not require an isolation transformer. But guys, it's always good to double check to make sure. I mean, yeah. I, you know, we've blown up monitors that way. Yeah, and it's what not a great video, them. though. Everybody take a chance and look at that video and see the, the kind of details he gives is exactly what he was talking about. It was a very good shot video. Really good, very helpful. Yeah. I, he, now he uses IEC, and I think he's trying IED? to say Molex. Oh, Molex. <laughs> no, no, not IED. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, when he started saying that, I was like, what is he talking about? Okay. I think he's referring to more of a Molex connector. Yeah, I'm not well, sure what IEC is. It may be for. called an IEC. International but... Interconnector or something. <laughs> okay. I don't know. But... Somebody school us on that one. That's right. But yeah, what he's talking about is the Molex or the cables or wiring is going up there. Right. He needs to check the voltage and see. You know, always trust your voltmeter. Yeah. You can use your tongue, but it, it's safe to use a voltmeter. That's the stand method. Yeah, I, I can say that. Since Stan's not here, I can say that that's oh, the Oh, yeah, stand he would be method. saying that that's how he does it. <laughs> so, Just stick a pin in there and see if it shocks you. That's right. That would be if you, Stan. If you feel a little voltage, there might be voltage there. <laughs> I don't know. Stan might be able to actually tell you how much. I, I think he's gotten that good at the tongue. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, James, hopefully it answers your question. And good luck with this repair. It sounds like you just need to check the power. Now, Tim, let's throw one more thing in there. Just real quick, is that a lot of monitors won't even come on if they don't have a signal going to them, too. Especially newer true. style monitors like this. And so he needs to double check the wiring coming from his board as well. Yeah, we, we're going to go back to the A, start the ASAP. Always start at power. Make sure your power supply is going. We had a game this morning, John, that, oh, it wouldn't come on. It was make a horrible noise. And so we pulled it open. We, we're going to start at power. And notice that the power supply fan was just barely turning. It was really dirty, and it's so funny because we blow this game out all the time, but right. in the area where the power supply is, somehow we just missed it. Yeah. And, I mean, Dustin's great at it, but he just had missed it. He noticed that. First thing he did, got an air hose, man, dirt was flying out of there. Second, we powered it back on. That fan went to running good. The game kicked right back on, and we, so, you know, there was a, a game that wasn't working, was having an issue, and all we did was blow it out and clean it. And the thing's working great, so. Oh, you see, I, I've got a little story, too. We got some canned air today at work, and it said Dust Destroyer. Okay. Okay, on it. Now, here's the thing. Does canned air no, destroy destroyer. dust? That's I, I, like to call, <laughs> I like to call it the dust relocator. That's right. what I was calling it. Hairspray in a fire, I mean, <laughs> a, a match might destroy some dust. You know? Yeah, exactly. But I was like, this is the dust relocator. That's yeah, what I okay. start calling it. So you relocated some dust. We did. You're able to we get did that vacuum game it up in. after that. Oh, uh, okay. They, <laughs> so, James, hopefully answers your question. Check, check the power, like Tim said, going to your monitor, but also make sure that you check the signal coming from your harness, from the board. Make sure that's all going to the monitor and is good as well. Okay, Tim, let's move to Clay. Now, Clay says, Hey, guys, first off, I'd like to say that you guys are great with supplying information to us about arcade mach machines and such. Like many others that have come to you, I have a question. First off, I think it would be important to let you know what I'm working with. I have a 1989 WWF Superstars arcade machine. The machine works great, and so does the monitor. However, when the machine is turned off, you can see a burned image. It doesn't show up when I'm playing, but I would like to replace it in the near future. I was looking for a site that sells replacement CRTs that are brand new. I would need a 19-inch monitor, which they have. It looks like they just sell the tube, and my question is, can I take out the old tube without taking off the mount and slide in the new one? Obviously, I would have to take off the chassis, but would that work, or do you guys recommend buying a monitor with the mount already attached? Thanks, Clay. 
So, Tim, this is actually a pretty common question that we get quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the burn image that he's getting is screen burn. Right. Uh, anytime that you have static images on a screen, they tend to burn into the tube. And once you get that, it, like he says, it, it kind of looks kind of tacky. It really right. does. Uh, we do have a couple of, of things that we've talked about for eliminating that to a certain extent. And the biggest one is using a dark plexiglass in order to kind of cover up. It helps on certain games. It yeah. looks okay. So, you know, he, he might could do that. Uh, you can go to Lowe's or Home Depot and get a piece of smoke flexi cut for it. That'll help, but in, in the in the long run, you need to replace. Yeah, the you tube. need to replace the tube. His question is is about mounting it. Right. That's no problem. Most of them are universal. I mean, there's times we've had to drill a little hole or something, or put a little block of wood in. I think he's probably configure something like that. My problem is going to be, is the new tube going to work with the old chassis? Right, correct. And that's where he's going to need to really get with the manufacturer and tell them what kind. They'll talk about the number of pins and so forth. So make sure it's going to work with the old chassis. Because if you're going to have to buy a yoke and another chassis and a monitor, well, guess what? You just bought bought a new monitor. monitor. So maybe that's something to take in consideration. But I think that that one place he's talking about, I think they are... You kind of tell them what you got kind of deal, and they have a yoke that will work with it or something. But well, we know you have to take some measurements off the tube in order to see if it's going to work and everything like that. But like you said, it really depends on what monitor is coming out of that as to whether mm-hmm. or not the new one's going to be compatible. Because not all chassises are, are chassis. You see, yeah. people get on to yeah. us about saying okay. chassis. Okay, well. I, we I'm... say chassis. You can say it tomato, tomato. Right. But <laughs> chassis, whatever okay. you want to say. People, you know, you can you can use the interconnect or the different chassis with different tubes, but you have to make sure they're compatible. That's the right. key. And another thing is I probably have 15 different kinds of brackets in in the shop. Right. So I don't really know. Man, we have had some of them be real easy. Four bolts, you're out, put it right in. And we've had some that we could never get to work with that same. So, you know, it's kind of a hard question without some pictures. And knowing you're just going to have to see. Right, and knowing what monitor he has, we it's really hard to tell him what kind of tube he needs. But like I said, there are companies out there that will tell you like to take certain measurements to make sure that these things are right. And you can switch out yolks as well, Tim, even mm-hmm. though that's a little bit more of an involved process. See, the, the problem is is that it seems to me that more 25-inchers are more standard. Yeah, that's he true. He has a 19-inch. Right. And I'm telling you right now, I've seen 15 different kinds of brackets. So it may or may work, or you're going to ha- may have to work on it a little bit. So here's what I'm going to recommend before we go on to the next question. Take the whole thing out and mount it and everything on the floor. It's going to be easier. It's right. going to sound tougher. I know he's he's kind of asking, can he leave it in there? Trust me, you're going to want to take it out, set it on the floor, do all your mounting and stuff outside the cabinet. It is very hard if it doesn't fit, especially if you're working by yourself or even right. with a buddy. We've broken necks on tubes doing this. You want to know and have it fit out there, then put it in the cabinet. Right. That's just a recommendation I want to make. So, Clay, hopefully answer your question. You will need to check the manufacturer of your chassis to see if the tube that you're going to buy is compatible with it and the mounting as well. I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing. But uh, you can do it, but you've got to get the right tube, and you've got to make sure that it, it at least mounts somewhat somewhat the same as your current mount that you have. Otherwise, you're going to be buying a mount as well. And, of course, Clay can always buy a whole new monitor as well, Tim. I mean, sure. that's always another option for him to go. I with mean, the brackets. Right, with the brackets and everything. Already and, and that's something that we're going to mention right here. Ask that question. I see a lot of monitors on eBay. If you see one that's going for like 100 bucks, you'll notice the fine print. Sometimes it will tell you. One way they're doing to save money, I don't blame them, 
And the light, one of them I bought not long ago had no monitor brackets. Right. You know, that's important. If you're going to buy a new monitor, ask, make sure it comes with some brackets. There you go. So, Clay, hopefully answers your question. And, you know, just good luck with this. Again, the screen burn, obviously, it's one of those things that you're just going to have to, you know, either deal with or you're going to have to get it replaced. But it sounds like in this case, probably good to get it replaced, either buying a, a replacement tube, just the tube, or get you a whole new monitor altogether. Okay, Tim, let's move to Christian. Now, Christian says, hello, my name is Christian. I'm from Brussels in Belgium. Brussels in Belgium. Wow. International listener. We like okay. those guys. Mm-hmm. I sent you this mail to request your opinion. Let me first tell you that your site and videos are really great. I encounter a problem with my Neo Geo MVS Arcade. When I run the machine, I have a small square that appears on the screen of any color as if the game is running, but I get no sound. Can you tell me if this is an easy problem to solve? If you need, I can attach pictures of the problem. Thank you for your answer. Now, Tim, before you before you start answering this, he actually wrote in again. He says, hello, I sent this mail requesting your information. I'm in Brussels, Belgium, and I bought a SNK arcade cabinet. My problem is that when I turn on the arcade ga- cabinet, I only see white and blue square on the screen, either with or without game. Can you tell me what I should do to solve the problem? I give you a link on YouTube that shows you a small video of my problem. So he actually sent in a link to YouTube with his issue here, Tim, and Sounds like he's having some problems with this Neo Geo. Uh, have you had a chance to look over Christian's video yet? Yeah, I watched your video, Christian. It took me about .05 seconds. So <laughs> when, I, when I first saw that, it was pretty obvious that you were having a board issue or right. or you weren't getting the voltage to your board in that, to enable it. So we want to start at power make sure your power's okay. But it's a Neo Geo game. Right. Everybody out there that has a Neo Geo knows it's cartridge based. Right. And we all do the nin- Nintendo trick. We take the cartridges out, blow on them, <laughs> but you know, you can clean them with a pencil racer just right. like it was an edge connector. It looks like you honestly, I've seen that on a hundred times on Neo Geo games. And a lot of times it's just popping out the cartridge, doing a little cleaning, pop or resetting it back in. It could be that simple. Yeah. You know, and something that they always tell you to do on the back of the cartridges, Tim, and they tell you not to do on the back of the okay. cartridges that you should do, or it always seemed to work. So if you took a Q-tip with some alcohol and you rubbed the connector a little bit to clean off all the dirt and everything, yeah. and then you dried it real good. See, like that always worked with my old Nintendo games. They tell you specifically on the back not, not to do to that, do not that. to yeah. clean it with alcohol, but uh-huh. it always seemed to work. And uh, I still have a Nintendo, yeah. and it's still working to this day. So, I mean, that's one thing you can do, Christian. But Tim's right. We've seen this with a lot of Neo Geo cabinets, and a lot of times this has more to do with power or the cartridges not being synced than it does with the actual yeah, board. That, and I would say there's nothing probably at all wrong with your monitor. It looks good. Yeah, it looks I, like I the just, picture's crisp and clear. Yeah, it could it, be a wiring issue or something. You know, I would reconnect everything. Worst case scenario, you know, it probably would be cheaper to buy another couple slot board or one slot board or something it would be to have it repaired. Yeah, jamming games like that, that's typically how it goes. You know, it's just easier to get another board. But especially with Neo Geos, they are in such great abundance. Yeah. I mean, you would not be, you'd be surprised how cheap Neo Geo boards go, but it's because there's such a, there's so many of them. I mean, right. you know, they, there's so many Neo Geo cabinets. Cause you gotta remember, the cartridge system was so, for the time, Tim, it was so revolutionary because operators like us could just swap in games with cartridges without having to get a whole new board every time. Right. And so there were so many produced that a lot of times you go to auctions and everything, you're going to find them really, really cheap. Well, it's just like, talk about Meyer. I went from playing Sears Pong to an Atari 2600, and I could just switch, and I had a whole new game. Right. That was just like, wow, are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't have to unhook it from the back and the yeah. RF converter and everything. But it looks like you definitely have some kind of cartridge 
issue, or you could have a bad cartridge. Bad cartridges yep. go bad, don't ever work again. I don't know how to repair them anyway, uh, but I would try some different cartridges. I don't know how many slots he has. I couldn't he tell. Didn't, he didn't say how many slots he has, but, Tim, I think that's going to be good advice. Just go ahead and check your power supply here, Christian. Make sure you're getting power up to your board, correct power, and then make sure and you double-check your cartridges, clean, you know, blow them out, clean them with a little bit of alcohol and some Q-tips or something like that, you know, just to get them all clean. But, you know, check that out and then let us know what you come up with. See if that solves your problem at all. I, I'm really thinking with Tim here that, that that's probably right on the money for this one. Okay, Tim, let's move to Donnie. Now, Donnie says, I've attached a PDF showing my monitor board. I found a dead fuse near the front of the chassis. After I replaced it, I turned on the unit, and it had an arc between the two areas shown by the yellow arrows. What do you advise me to do? Do you have the parts to repair Donnie? Now, Tim, before he gets too far into this, I am going to say that we don't probably have the parts to repair what he needs to repair. Right. Now, Tim, have you seen this before? Did you get a chance to see the PDF here? Actually, I have it open here if you want to check it out. Now, he says that he replaced the fuse, and after he did, there was an arc, and it looks like it's between the flyback and a heat sink where he's got, um, you know, some parts and things attached to. Sounds like it's probably his flyback. Yeah, it's bad. that's what I was thinking just by looking at that picture where he drew. And thank you for those arrows. Those very, very good. Man, we're getting some really good pictures and videos I, I think and people, stuff. Look, like, I think people are starting to get really familiar with how to send in the questions. You know, right. we, we've given some good tips on some of the podcasts about how to send in a good question. Donnie hit the nail on the head with this one. I'm with Tim here. The arcing looks like it's between one of his little you know, metal right. heat sinks and then the uh, flyback. And it's because that flyback, when it shoots out the electricity, it's looking for somewhere to ground. Right. And so it finds that little metal heat sink, and it creates that arc. Right. And when you see that arc, almost almost positive here, Tim, flyback needs to be replaced. Yeah. yeah. I go back, and I think about when I first started this, and I would see, like, a blown fuse. Oh, yeah. And I would get excited, because I'd be like, oh, wow, it's just a blown fuse. Now, I, every time I see a blown fuse, the first question popping in my head is, what caused this fuse to blow? Oh, yeah. So the fuse protected some other circuits, yep. which is good. So what he needs to do is figure out what kind of monitor he has. He needs to go to Bob Roberts' site, and he needs to get a power kit for it. In other words, a new flyback, new hot, uh, and, and replace all that right. while he's in there, while he's got it out. And I think his problem will be solved. I think so, too. But, here, but he, even if it's working, he needs to turn it off and do not use or do not play. We both know that they can turn into a flamethrower after a while. Uh, so you definitely want to avoid, or just the fact it's very unsafe. Right, exactly. I mean, you don't look. You don't want any arcs in your arcade cabinet, Tim. It's just bad, <laughs> bad right. to have anything like that arcing around. So, Donnie, hopefully answers your question, and good luck with your repair on this. Like Tim said, check out the What's My Monitor page on Bob Roberts' site to get an idea of what chassis you have. Then make sure you order that power repair kit from Bob Roberts for your monitor. Okay, Tim, let's move to Tommy. Now, Tommy says, "Good morning. I have good morning." Yeah. I, I, we're well, recording at night, that's but okay. uh, we'll take a good morning. You know, he oh, might yeah. live in uh, Korea or Japan or, you know, India. Uh, Belgium? Belgium. <laughs> there you Could go. Be good morning there right now. <laughs> there you go. So, good morning. I have a Donkey Kong monitor that is closing in from the left side as you are facing the machine. Also, the images on the screen are either very wavy or no image at all, just a screen of wavy colors, then at other times you can see some of the game. Do you have any idea what may be going on from what I have been able to explain? Thanks. Right. Well, a picture would have been better uh, with some arrows or something, maybe. But he did describe what sounded like the hula is starting to happen, and we have seen that before on, especially on a, a Nintendo monitor and so forth. So you need to definitely need to cap your monitor 
and uh, we can kind of go from there. But that does fix that hula effect a lot of times. And, and that's something we've kit. talked about a lot on the podcast, Tim, is that with the Sanyo monitors, that cap kits fit, fix more problems, it seems like, on those monitors than they do on other monitors. Yes, yeah, well, because one thing is they have a lot of caps. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, it's pretty extensive. And, and a lot of people say it's hard, and, and I definitely charge more to do it just because it's a little more time-consuming, but it's not any harder to do, in my opinion, than any other monitor. I've got a Mario Brothers out here that has the folded-over image that I know is a cap kit. Been meaning to do it for a while. We need to film it when we do it okay. just to show everybody exactly how but it is. But you also know it's going to take a little extra time. That's so. right, which is why I've been putting it off, believe it or not. But, you know, I think I think here in Tommy's case, I think you gave him good advice. He can try adjustments or something, but, you know, and I definitely would always highly recommend, uh, be surprised how many things you can fix just by fiddling with the adjustments. But most of the time... Uh, you start seeing that, and it was working okay. You were starting to have capacitor failure. It's a good time to go ahead and do that. Sounds good. So, Tommy, hopefully it answers your question. Like Tim said, probably a good time to just go ahead, do a cap kit on this monitor. The fact that you're seeing the game play is what makes us think it's a monitor issue, right, Tim? He's saying that sometimes he can see some of the game. The fact that he can see some of the game really makes me think it's more of a monitor issue here. Now, we've had questions in the past where, you know, it might have been colors were, were a little off or something like that, but the screen was was okay. You know, like like we have actual Dunkonk screen, but the colors are a little bit off. That might be more your board. Right. You know, but in this particular case, the fact that you're having kind of wavy images and things really makes us lean more towards your monitor. So, Tommy, mm-hmm. hopefully it answers your question. Try CapKit out on your Sanyo there and let us know what you come up with. Okay, Tim, let's move to Daniel. And Daniel says, I recently purchased a Mortal Kombat cabinet and the guy did a flyback in CapKit prior to me buying it and documented it on YouTube as proof. Wow. So this guy, he was mm-hmm. on the ball, Tim. Right. He's like, I'm selling this game <laughs> and I've already put a new flyback, already put a new CapKit on it. I played the game at his house and everything seemed great. Picture image fit nicely and the colors were vivid. It had to be taken apart partially and the monitor was removed in order to get it into my house. Wow. Okay. Uh, that, that's that's crazy. When I rebuilt it, I put the monitor back and everything seemed fine, but I had a vertical size problem. It didn't want to fit on the screen as it was before. I tried to shrink it using the pots for vertical adjusting, but still nothing. The top and bottom of the image doesn't show on the screen. It's too big and I can't get it to shrink to fit the monitor what can I do? So, Tim, he's saying he has a vertical size problem. Right. So that means it's not, I mean, just the way I'm interpreting it, it's not stretching all the way up to the top and bottom of the screen is what it sounds like. Now, it was working great until he took the well, whole thing apart. it's too big. The top and the bottom can't yeah, too see big. My so bad. Too like, big. Not, yeah. not too little. So it's like it's zoomed in on him. Right. Well, you know, the fact that, and I think it's great that he sounds like the guy did everything he could to make sure it was in good shape, but you move games. Right. And when you move games, stuff... Not only did he move it, he, he took, took it, it apart. apart. And that's okay. So you got to do those things. So, and it says like, sounds like he tried to adjust the pots, but didn't do anything. Well, you know, I'm not sure what kind of monitor he has, but here's one thing you can check. You could have a very, very tiny broken leg or crack on that pot. It could be a bad pot. Sure. One way that you could do is swap it, desolder, and swap it with, like, say, the horizontal, and then see if the horizontal moves, okay? So right now, let's say the horizontal moves, but he can't get the vertical move. Swap the pots and see if the problem stays. You still can't get it to move. It might, and then if it does change, then you know, well, it's the pot, get a new pot, fix it. The fact that he said he used the pots for vertical 
And he said still nothing. But nothing, not doing anything. That's what I'm, that's what I'm interpreting that as, is that it's not adjusting it. Right. And the guy did a cap kit. Right. Okay. So, if the caps are good, and, and he did a proper cap kit, and he sounds documented on YouTube, that's okay. He probably mm-hmm. did a, not hard, did a good job. Then we're probably down the vertical IC. Right. And, and there's not a lot else that it can be, unless I'm missing something. Right. Um, so, he definitely needs to check his pots. Now, I can get a little more technical if he's skilled. He can use an ohm meter, ohm out his pots, and see if they're... But to me... See if he's getting any change, See if he's getting any change. Like, if they're about the same... I'm not sure if it's a 100K pot or a 10K pot. I don't know what they are. But at the same time, I'm just speaking like as a newbie, you could desolder two pins and swap them pretty fast, too. Right. And that helps me not only see, is it the pot, but then we're talking about a vertical IC... And if he needs more help with that, he can contact us. We can tell him what it is. Well, and and I don't know what Daniel's experience is here, but it could also be that you know he he might want to ohm it out and see if it is changing at all because maybe he just wants to order a whole new pot completely and only have to solder that once. True. And so that might be something he wants to do. But if he's not getting any adjustment when he tries the vertical, you know, the vertical size on his on his adjustments on his monitor, then more than likely he's got a bad pot. I'm with you. And yeah. I, I would I would say first thing we need to do is try to replace it. Well, the fact he had to move it out. If he just moved the game, but when you're t- t- it's you know how easy it is to break one of those little legs oh, yeah. or and, and I always tell the guys at work, I always say, How big a break does it have to be? I mean, it could be so thin we can't even hardly see it, but it breaks that and doesn't make a good connection. You know, he well, could I touch mean, up the solder. I, I, on the I was like, too, you, but... I mean, in a perfect world, you want no break. I mean, any sure. break could cause any kind of issue like this, I, I think. And I'm with you. As thin as a hair on your head right. would be enough to cause it not if to If I work. take this cord going to this microphone and I take a very the, a razor blade and cut it right now, my sound's going to go off. Right. I mean, it's just the way it is. But Now, if you put a little be... cut in it, you might just get a little fuzz. Right. Or, you know, that, you... The fact it's not doing anything, and it just tells me that really inspect it good and see if a leg broke off to the pot or and, something. And it's so easy. A lot of times on monitors. Maybe a three-pin pot. Sure. Too. A lot of times on the back of monitors is where those pots protrude. And if you were to hit that... The back of that monitor against a wall accidentally or something mm-hmm. just hit that pot just a bit to knock it off the off of its solder joints there, and that would be enough. But I've seen this before, and it's irritating because yeah. <laughs> the screen is so big now. It's like you zoomed in. You're like, whoa. You know, so uh, it definitely is probably either a pot or a vertical. I see. I can't see it being anything else. There you go, Daniel. So hopefully it answers your question. Good luck with your monitor repair. Sounds like you need to check out that pot. Let us know what you come up with. Okay, Tim, let's move to Eric. And Eric says, I have a Star Wars Racer arcade that once turned on, the picture starts to stretch vertically and horizontally. It does this slowly and consistently. It is much worse horizontally. I cannot get the entire picture to fit on the screen. Any ideas? I cannot find the horizontal width coil on my monitor. I did find a horizontal vertical adjustment screw, though. I guess that's what he's, I guess that's what it is. And I adjusted it as far as it would go, and more of the pic fits on the screen now, but still not all of it. Where is the B-plus voltage adjustment? Any help would be great. So, Tim, we have Eric here. we got Star Wars Racer Arcade. Now, this is a fairly new monitor right. in this one, a pretty big one, if I remember correctly. It's a Sega-made game. And, you know, he says he can't find the horizontal width coil. Well, every one that I've ever seen, he sounds like it has a uh, projection-style TV. I don't know what this has, but I don't know what monitor you have. You're really going to have to get in some pictures to help me, I don't know, except for the fact that they're pretty easy to spot. 
Well, and you know, he says, where's the B plus voltage adjustment? You know, on some of the newer monitors, I don't remember seeing B plus voltage. Right. And that's just me. Now, Tim, you obviously work on newer stuff a lot more than I do. So you yeah. would know this more than I would. But do you usually see no, a B plus voltage? No, sometimes it's regulated. And right. I'm not sure. What we really got to know is what kind of monitor you have. Yeah. And I guarantee it's a Sega game. You can still call, uh, by the way, Sega is no longer Sega. In the U.S., it's called Play It Amusements. Right. So you can do a web search on Play It Amusements. You can still get tech support on that game, and they will know a little bit more even than I would. In fact, if this was at my store today, that's probably one of the first calls I'd make. I'd be like, hey, the screen is not stretching. I need to do this. Now, also, in the newer games, remember, you have a lot of monitor adjustments, like kind of like your home computer monitor will have like the trapezoid and right. the, all those things. So you're going to really going want to go into that, but we have no clue what your monitor is. Right. So is it a projection TV? Is it LCD? Is it uh, Wells Gardner? Uh, you know, we need to know a little bit more information and we'll help you out a little bit more. Sounds I don't want to cool. blow them off. I'm just saying we, we really don't know. Yeah, it sounds good, Tim. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, I haven't seen a monitor without a horizontal width coil. That's a good point, unless it was LCD or projection or something like that. Right. Most of the two monitors that I've seen yeah, have horizontal have width coil, yeah. So, I mean, it's well, in, like I said, though, a lot of what I work on is older stuff anyway. You know, I don't work no. with a lot of the newer stuff. So, you know, that that's a good point, Tim. But, I mean, you know, I don't know where the B-plus voltage adjustment is unless you tell us what kind of monitor you have. And then you have we'll a picture of the chassis, it. then we can help you find it. I'm with you. So, Eric, if you could send in some pictures, we can definitely help you locate that stuff. Or if you can just let us know what kind of monitor you have. And we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Tim, about the What's My Monitor page on Bob Roberts' site that he can visit. And I think that Eric might be well-serviced to go there. Of course, if he has a newer monitor, might not be on that site. Might have to actually look at the manual if it's the original monitor. Or, like you said, contact play it, yeah. Yeah, contact play it now. And, Tim, I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. If you can give me that number, we'll put it in the show notes for Eric okay. so he can check that out as well. So, Eric, hopefully I answers your question. And you, get some pictures to us. Yeah. We'll help you out. If ask you do a, a web search further. for Sega, you USA Arcade, you're, it's Play It Amusements. Play It Amusements. So if you look at Play It Amusements, you're gonna it's gonna be pretty easy to find. Sounds good. So hopefully I answer your question and good luck with your repair on your Star Wars Racer Arcade. Okay, Tim, let's move to Gabe. Gabe says, "Hello, Arcade Repair Tips. I enjoy your site and your videos a lot. I am new to restoration and I have been inundating myself with information, but I get stuck on some very simple things that I think are usually glossed over in the tutorials I read." I have an Astro Blaster that works great, except there's no sound or speech. All of the wires out of the back of the volume knob seem to be in place, but I can continue to turn the knob itself indefinitely to the left or right. The other thing I noticed when I opened up the back was this. I looked in the manual for this J2. Okay, he's, he actually, it sounds like he actually attached a picture here, Tim, or he meant to, and the okay. picture was not attached to the email, which is, which is why I put that in there. But he says he looked in the manual and he saw a J2 connector is the one that goes to sound and speech boards. How do I check wire like this for continuity to see if it's working? Like, where exactly do I put the red and black ones to see if this frayed wire is the problem? Is there anything else I need to check? Thanks, Gabe. So Gabe has an Astro Blaster here, a little bit older arcade game, Tim, and he wants to know how he can check the continuity on his J2. Now, obviously, he's not getting any sound, he says, or speech. So okay. there's nothing coming from the from the game is what it sounds like. And he's got this J2 connector. He wants to know where he can put it to test the wiring. And, and Tim, he's going to probably have to look at his schematic to trace it down, but all he wants to do, I would imagine, is put the red probe on one end and the of the wire one. and the black one on the other end of the right. wire and see if he gets the beeps for the diode or continuity test, as we like to call it, Tim. Right. You know, here's what I do. If I go in the morning, i got a game that has no sound. Yeah. Of 
course, I'm working now with some newer stuff, sound cards and micro flash cards, yeah. stuff like that. But first thing I start, and, and it sounds silly, but I always start with the speaker. Sure. Is your speaker working? And if you have a, another way or method to test that, not that hard to test a speaker, hooking up a, a computer speaker to your wires, cutting the cord or something that is amplified. You can also you can just check it ohm-wise. Yeah, you can just check it ohms. A lot of times on the magnet of the speaker, we'll say like 4 or 8 ohms. Put your ohms on ohm meter, run it across your leads. The sound, nothing has to be on. It'll tell you if that's working or if it's ohm in the right ohm range. Okay, speaker, let's say the speaker works. Then he says he has a he has a pot. You know, he does say something very unique. He says that that pot is able to spin all the way around. That's a big clue to me. Okay. Because generally what a pot does, it goes from low to high, but it there is a certain type of 360 degree pot, but it's usually used like in steering wheels and stuff. Yeah. When you're talking about volume, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to go to either low sound or very high sound, but you don't go from low all the way back around to high, back around to low, so it doesn't normally loop. That makes me think more than anything that his pot is broken and bad. Yeah, that's okay? a good point. So it would be very good for him to go ahead and try to replace that pot. Sure. Now, he could also have the wrong pot on there for all we know. You know that if you put a pot that's too low for what you're trying to you know, what you're trying to adjust or too high for what you're trying to adjust, it won't adjust correctly as well. Right. And it could be that, it could be in this case as well, something like that. But it does sound like His it's schematic should tell him what kind of pot. It's probably a 5K because it's older game. I would read his pot on the back. It should say, try to go, just go to Radio Shack, get one. Uh, you can touch the wires of and bypass your pot altogether. Right. And it'll just be really loud. Right. But if you're getting sound or you can jumper them across, uh, that should give you a lot of sound. And if it does, then you know your pot's bad. Yeah, sounds good, Tim. I'm with you. I, I think his pot is actually the problem here and probably needs to be replaced, as you're saying. Sure. But, I mean, he needs to know how to check the continuity of the wire as well, like we were just talking about earlier. Yeah. And just, you know, check the continuity just like you would on a fuse or anything else. You know, just put it on one end of the wire, put it on the other, see if you get the beat. Right. Here's a real-life example today. I had a game that wouldn't give tickets, okay? We have four wires that go to the tickets, okay? This is a really big game. So the board where the ticket wires plug in was a pretty good ways, I would say, three or four feet from the ticket mech itself, but I was able to do continuity. I had a blue, white, red, Black wire, I'm going, okay, blue wire is good, <laughs> Right. red's good, white. Uh, I mean, all of a sudden, the white wasn't getting continuity. Well, I start tracing the wire, literally going over every inch, and I come down to where the ticket door shuts, and guess what? It got pinched and cut. Oh, there you go. It literally was cut. All I had to do was just put a butt connector in there, and game was back up and going. Yep. But, you know, when I when I first talked to somebody through their tech support, they wanted me to get a new motherboard all kinds of stuff. And yeah. I'm like, well, let me do some checks first, you know. Well, you know, if you can save money, you don't want to have to spend any more money than you have to. Exactly. So, so definitely you learn how to do continuity on wire checks are 
a great tool. There you go. So, Gabe, hopefully it answers your question, gives you a couple of things to try out. You might shake the continuity on those wires. But like Tim said, it really sounds more like a pot issue here. You know, check that pot, maybe even do the ohm resistance like we were talking about earlier, and see if you're getting any change when you turn that thing. If you're not, probably need to replace that pot altogether. Okay, Tim, let's move to Dan. Now, Dan says, I have a dig dug board question. I cleaned all the contacts on the board, like your video said, and I plugged it back in, but there are still no monsters showing up. They are invisible. Plus, the main man is now semi-invisible. All other colors and graphics are clear as a bell. I only have one black spot on the board by the main plug in. So my question is, where do I go from here to see why they are invisible? Any help would be appreciated. Thanks, Dan. Well, that'd be a really challenging game to play. I'm telling you. Yeah. Invisible Dig Dug. Right. <laughs> well, we think about what makes the characters. Roms. How, how A ROM chip, right? Right. So um, he probably has a bad one. Yeah. Or misseated or dirty or exactly. whatever. Exactly. He did say he cleaned them. It does not say that he pulled, if there's some that are socketed, that he pulled them up, cleaned them, and resocketed them. Right. And check the legs, make sure none are broken and all that. Uh, got a couple choices. Number one, he can either send it off and get it repaired. Right. Um, which might be a viable. Now, if it's just the ROM chips, though, he could go to Hobby ROMs. Exactly. That's what we're going to recommend. You go to hobbyroms.com. And uh, I think it's Stefan, it's yeah. not Steven, Stefan, but talk to him and he'll burn you a new set, send them to you, and you just replace them all. Not a bad idea because he's also going to give you a new, the chip, even the chips that work are old. Right. He's at least going to give you a 2011 or 2012 version of that chip that's burned, should last you a long time. You definitely sound like you have some character and, and ROM issues. So um, just get a set of ROM from I'd, I'd at least try it. Well, I was also going to say, I actually saw somebody have a lot of success the other day by taking the ROM chips and taking a rotary tool with, like, one of the little, like, uh, scrub, yeah, brushing ends uh-huh. and then just go across those pins, you know, real gently to, to, you know, clean them all up real good and then put them back in work perfectly. See, me, I just think they're already 20 years old. I'd replace <laughs> them. Stan would be screaming right now, I have fixed 40 boards <laughs> by taking off the chips, cleaning them really good and putting them back in. So that would be, definitely be the first thing to try. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm with you, though. I mean, if you can't replace them, you know, they're cheap most of the time. They're but you, but just reseating, sometimes just pushing them in. Yeah. If they're socketed, uh, could do. And the and trick. we showed that on the video that he actually looked at, just pushing those chips in. A lot of times, we'll we'll, we'll get a lot of your characters back as well. So Dan, hopefully, answer your questions. Definitely sounds like a ROM chip issue here. I mean, if he wants to really go detail with it and get a logic probe, get a TTNL cookbook, mm-hmm. start testing, seeing where which one is bad, he could get Checking an individual voltage. ROM chip. Yeah. And that's possible. And if I just talk way over his head, he can email me and we can break it down a little bit, maybe on a video sometime. There you go. I need to do a video on using a logic probe. Yeah. Uh, Some of you guys that want to get into board repair, that is a tool that I I use and uh, costs, you know, $10 or $15. You can still get them at Radio Shack, believe it or not. Uh, It's right next to the cell phones. Um, (laughs) Everything is right next to the cell phones. You could say that about everything. Yeah. I, I think that I think that the batteries are next to the cell phones too. Yeah. Right? I love it. Every time I go in there. You know, we, we we've been poking a lot of fun at Radio Shack, but they're really starting to come around. They're starting to carry more do it yourself stuff. So that's always better for everybody involved. They still carry way too many cell phones in there. But I, I swear now, it used to be at least half the store with cell phones. 
now it's like a quarter, right. a little bit over a quarter, 30%. Just, you know, something like that. So at ours, least they're coming around. But. Ours hired a hot chick, and that's all. <laughs> that that There's one reason for having her there. That's Looks, true. That's it. But anyway, we'll go on. Remember remember that electronics repair knowledge is, is all about beard length. Right. Now, the longer the beard, the longer the beard, the more electronics knowledge this guy has. Always yeah. remember that. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so Dan, hopefully answers your question. And like Tim said, probably need to look at your ROM chips here, clean them up, or maybe just order a whole new set, just depending on what you need on uh, on how it turns out. So, hopefully, I answered your question. Good luck with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move to David. Now, David says, "Hi guys, I have a couple of questions for you. I have an X Men vs. Street Fighter CPS2 game, and it was playing fine one day, and the next, the screen just went out." I have two Nanano 27-inch dual-resolution monitors and tried to wire one in with no luck. The screen is just a dark, jumbled mess. This is the third game I have tried these screens in. The first was an Area 51 and then a Mortal Kombat 2 with the same horrible results. I know the monitors work perfectly and have been stored indoors in my home. Is there something with these monitors that I'm missing? Do they only work in specific games? The ones that I have came from a title fight game. The harness with the red, green, blue ground sync wires was also a little weird on the CPS2 game as well. The sync wire had a bare wire that was wrapped around the outside plastic of the wire. It's like this the whole way through to the JAMA harness. I'm not sure why or how to reconnect it to place the old monitor back in. I had to cut and splice all the hookup wires to the new monitor. My second question is, could you send me a copy of your location contracts, both for arcade games and claws? I'm going to incorporate my game route into an LLC, and I have no clue how to word the contracts and stuff. Thank you for your help. So, Tim, how much experience do you have with the Nano monitors as a whole? Now, first off, they are dual res. He's saying he's getting, like, weird mess on the screen. It it sounds like it's either one of two things. It sounds like it could be in the wrong resolution mode. True. Or it sounds like he's wiring them wrong or or there's some sort of wiring issue that we're having. Yeah. Because you've got to remember, like, all monitors seem like they have different wiring schemes. I mean, they all do red, green, blue, ground sync. But, but they all the do sync it. wire yeah. could be horizontal composite. Right. Or it, they could have different sinks, or they could be upside down or sideways. Or right. What he what. needs to do is find, go online and find the monitor schematic for those nanos and see how they hook up. It'll probably tell him in there right. what sink, where, how to hook the sync wires up. He might have to split them, or he might have to join the sync wires depending on, on, the, ga- on the monitor and the, in game. the game. See, that's another thing is some games send out a different sync, so you kind of need to have both some schematics. We but talk about all, we talk about this in our replacing an arcade monitor video in the in the two parts that it is. Yeah, and we show some of that, so we might need to go back and review that. So we won't go into in depth there much. But it also sounds like he also he's got a wire that's kind of running down the side. I'm I'm, I'm really curious as to what. You know what all he's done. I mean, it sounds like there's some monkey wiring going on in there, <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, but you need to really check your pins and make sure that just because red may not be red, is it right. going all the way to the jammer harness? Red, right? Vertical red is your white wire, your sink wire. So you need to check it back. That you said it goes all the way back. Well, where does it go to the harness? Right. So it still sounds like you got some kind of wiring issue here. I'm with you. It really does sound more like a wiring issue here. And, and you know, this is such a tricky thing, If you, especially if you don't have the, the schematic for your monitor. Trying to figure out which wires go where on it is tough. But the thing is, is that they're not power. And, right. and, and somebody, Michael, might scream at me for saying this. I have not ever burned up a monitor by hitting the sink wire in some, some other place. Right. I don't think... 
Now, somebody's screaming at me right now. That's stupid. Don't don't <laughs> do it like that. But at the same time, I'm just saying it. I wouldn't hook it up in some certain areas. But as far as going from horizontal to vertical or to time both of those in, right. I've experimented a lot. And I think we show some of that on the video. We're like, okay, we'll try this. We'll try this. You know, just to right. give people example of what we do. And the reason why we I shot don't... that in the video was because we had to do it in yeah. the video. We were not planning to show that right. initially, but since that particular replacement called for it, you know, I said, Tim, we got to shoot this because there's people out there who don't know. And I could have went and looked up the schematics and did, but in that short amount of time, faster and I could have went in and looked it up, we were able to figure it out. Exactly. So... Hopefully, David, that gives you at least something to try. Now, the second question he asks is, could we give him a copy of our contracts? We do don't we release. Still have? We do still have the contracts, but I don't want to release our contracts per se as they are. Um, I did base our contracts on some of the ones I found online, and there are some out there. And so maybe if I can find maybe those can links, I'll put them. The link or I was something. about to say I'll put a link in the show notes maybe to that if I can find them again. Here's the thing that I would say that your contract needs to state. Now, okay, first off, not legal advice. Right. <laughs> okay, we're not lawyers. Just from experience. Right. I would say that you, and I'm going to be vague here, but I'll say that you, it needs to be as detailed and try to think of any, every scenario uh, as far as... How you're going to split is real important. A lot right. of... A Legally, lot of, you got to right. check with your laws of your state. So right. that, you know, some, they're different. Here in Texas, it has to, you have to do at least a 50-50 split. Right. Now, what you can negotiate on is what if somebody tears up the game? Right. Maybe they would, here, here, and this is, I think you'll see where I'm going now, Jonathan, without getting a lot of details. I would put something in there. If a kid takes a baseball bat to my game. Right. You know, it's different if the monitor goes out. But right. if somebody physically damages it, you know, I would require that they at least let you take the revenue to pay for the repair before you start talking about splitting again. Right. Or some, some, There's some things like that you can do. Another thing is you need to make sure that you have something in there that says, you know, as the owner of the games, it's my right to pull the games out at any time. Right. Okay. And if you want to put it in there, in something in there, you know, that the site holder is what we usually refer to them ha as, the person who has the location. If the site holder wants the games out, they have to give me at least so many days notice. Whether right. that's 90 days, 30 days, 60 days, whatever, yeah. however much Most notice. Most time they don't. You right. Need exactly. It in writing. If you have it in writing and you get them to sign it, that's fine. But they need, you know, something that you guys both agree that, you know, hey, if you want these games out of here, 30 days, you know, you have to give me at least a 30-day window. Another thing that we like to negotiate was on the taxes and, and stuff. So a lot of times what we would do is we'd say, okay, in November, we have to put a tax sticker on there. It costs 60 bucks. Let's just take the first $60 this game makes that year and put it towards that. So you're not out. They kind of share in that. Right. It's just some ideas, just yeah. some stuff to throw out. I mean, those are just some of the things that we have that's written in our contract. But, I mean, the biggest thing is, I mean, you know, if you want a good contract, hire a good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, or get you a friend that, that's uh, going to law school, you know, has a little bit of, a yeah. little bit of knowledge in corporate you know, law. We're laughing about it, but that's exactly one way you could do it. Talk to a law professor at a college and do it as a class assignment. Say, sure. hey, I need this. What would they recommend? And then pick the winner. Yeah. We we find some cheap ways to get some stuff done. <laughs> That's one way. One thing that we've done some stuff like that in the past. Yeah, just just let or just let a law student come over, help you draft one, and then uh, you know let them play some games. Yeah, <laughs> for extra credit or something maybe. There you go. So David, hopefully answers your questions. Good luck with the repair on your X Men vs Street Fighter and and with your uh, LLC that you're going into. That's always great. 
Tim, we like to hear people starting up arcade businesses and everything like that. It's always exciting. So, Okay, let's move to West. Now, West says, I recently got an Arkanoid arcade cabinet. In the first few days, it worked great, but today I turned it on and I have no picture or sound. When I plug it in, I get a blue flash from the monitor and then it goes dark. I also hear a mosquito-like sound coming from it. And that's it, Tim. Okay. That's all that Wes says. What do you think is going on with uh, with his Arkanoid here? A blue flash from the monitor, it goes dark, and I hear a mosquito-like sound coming from it. Okay. No picture, no sound. No picture, no sound. Okay. Remember, if it was just his monitor, you would all you, the game would still play. So I would unhook the monitor, take right. the power off, turn it on, see if you're at least hearing some gameplay. Right. The blue flash could be your monitor going bad, and that's initially is kind of what it sounds like. But when he says he's getting no sound, is 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 it not getting picture either? Right. Is it says it not no being, picture, no sound. Is it not being pushed from the motherboard? Right. So he could go through the test that we show, test his tube. That also, guess what? Test to see if your monitor is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing without a board hookup. Right. So that might help him there. But the fact that he says no picture, no sound, sounds like a board issue, doesn't it? It Jim? does sound kind of like a board issue, and he's got this mosquito sound. Which tends, you know, it could be a bad flyback or some. That's more of a hiss. It says mosquito sound, a oh, buzzing. That sounds more like a power supply or something to me. Right. So I would check those areas. Yeah, I mean, power monitor board. I mean, you know, that's about all there is in an arcade game for the most part, Tim, except for the controls and the cabinet. So I, I mean, obviously the problem is somewhere in there. Mosquito-like sound. I'm with you. Power supply monitor, something like that, is what it sounds like. Anytime somebody describes that to me, but you know, if I'm him, maybe unplug the monitor and see if I coin it up. Do I get sound? Because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people forget you might not get a track mode sound depending on your arcade board. You might actually yeah, have to coin, to coin it, it up. up. Good, so, good point. So Wes, you might try coining it up. See if you're getting any kind of play sound. If you're not, probably a board issue. If you are getting a track, any kind of a track mode or play mode sound, probably a monitor issue in this one. So hopefully that helps. And uh, good luck with your repair on this Arkanoid. Okay, Tim, let's move to Rodrigo. And he says, Hi, I have an iGo 53210 monitor. Suddenly it just shows a white line in the center. I replace the D1138 and the LA7833 and the image turns more bigger and flashing. I disconnected everything and cleaned the context, but no changes, any ideas. Thanks a lot for your time. Now, Tim, not sure what those parts are because we don't well, have the schematic in front of us. They sound like a chip or... or the IC, right, which sounds like he's on the right path, and it did get bigger, right. So it sounds like he had vertical collapse. Well, it, well, he says twelve centimeters in a twenty-nine inch tube. Okay, so he, I forgot to mention that. That's the, so I got a little bigger, right? But it's better than a straight line, twelve centimeters. Sure, that's not real big though, is it? No, but it did get a little wider, <laughs> right? Well, that's why we tell you when you replace the vertical IC, you need to look for the capacitors in that area. And also do the capacitors along with it. Right. So the fact it did get a little bigger, which is a pretty good indicator, though, that when the IC went out, it probably took out a few caps with it. I definitely would try to replace the capacitors in that area. Go ahead and do a cap kit while you yeah. got it out. What do you think of iGo monitors while we're here? Just oh, any I, thoughts? I, you know, boy, we have one in a game, and everybody just hated it. They, <laughs> they I mean, they're just like, as soon as that thing goes out, pull it. And ours has been in there. Knock on wood. I may go in tomorrow and we'll be out. <laughs> but ours has been there about six, six years, a little over, almost seven years. Wow. And so I had it. It looks great today. So I haven't had any problems. I think the problems with all the Cortex and those IGOs, you do internet research with those cheap Chinese capacitors they were using for a while during right. that mid 2000s. Right. 
And uh, so I think that a lot of them were just crap because they were just getting crap parts to put in them. Sure. So this is just a personal opinion. I have ours looks good and works good. Oh, there you go. I don't have any problems with it. Sounds good. So Rodrigo, definitely a good sign that you could get this monitor working though. Like Tim said, might want to check the caps in your vertical section on they your They may chassis. still be in business too and can actually, you know, I try to tell people you got a game with a newer monitor. These people are still in business most of the time. Uh, they want to sell you the parts. You That's know, right. they will tell you. Uh, I think most of them are legit. I don't think many of them are there just to rip you off. They want to, they, if they could sell you their game, because if you see that and you can't fix it, then you're going, oh, don't buy this monitor. But if they help you and you fix it and you tell everybody, oh, I, I talked to them, you ought to buy, you, then you're not afraid to buy a monitor from them. Most of them are pretty willing to help and, and know a lot mm -hmm. about them. Sure. Sounds good. So, Rodrigo, hopefully, I answers your question here on this. I go, Play some of those caps. If that doesn't work, might get a hold of Igo themselves. See if you can see if you can get some tech support from them as well. So, okay, Tim, let's move to Dan. Now, Dan says my monitor is experiencing what I can best describe as a shadow effect. Everything displayed on the screen is faintly reproduced to the right of the image, making everything look sort of distorted. I have been messing around with the color levels and brightness when I first noticed this, but have since adjusted both the color levels and the convergence rings as best as I can to no avail. Any thoughts on other possible solutions, or do you think I should mess with the color and convergence more? Thanks in advance. Now, Tim, a lot of times when we get the shadowing effect, the convergence rings are the first things we think of. Right. You know, uh, just because, you know, that it seems like whenever your convergence is off, a lot of times you will yeah, get the shadowing Yeah, which is why we effect. shot a video on it specifically, because it's pretty common. Right. And we actually show in the video what mm -hmm. that looks like, you know, for those who are interested in that. But he's been messing with them. He says he's messed with the convergence and he just can't get it to work. You know, and it sounds like it kind of went out without him really messing with anything. Like, right. he, you know, he had the game and it was playing and then it that, started doing that, the shadowing. That, now, when you say shadowing, are you talking about exact shadowing or does it look more like a bleeding? Yeah, you see. See, sometimes when the contrast gets off, if you, I would say mess with your contrast will look like that, or just the fact that caps are starting to go bad, starting to bleed, that could be called shadowing. Sure. So we're not quite sure, but if you're if it's if it's equal and everything is, you just kind of look like you're getting almost a, a true shadowed image. Then, uh, or you could have a yoke. You know, yeah. it may yoke may need replaced. Yeah. If you've tried to adjust it, but generally, when adjusting it, you'll either make it worse, way right. worse. Or it'll get better. And right. if he's not having much change, then he might need to do uh, check his contrast and probably go ahead and, and, and check those caps and make sure that everything's okay. Yeah, and check the yoke as well. I mean, you, like you said, you make a good point. that A lot of times, though, with the yoke, it'll like it'll be all funky. Yeah, you really know, it'd be Yeah, exactly. It won't, shadowing would not be how I would describe something like that. So No, you know. interesting. Also, as strange as it sounds, you know, when you're talking about images and shadowing, you could have bad a board issue. Sure. Literally could be a board issue causing that if, you know. And a little so video problem? I video would definitely problem. say if he didn't say what game it is. See, that's one thing that helps me a lot of times when I know what game you're talking about. Some even games have common problems well, like that. And like we always say, guys, picture is worth a thousand words. If exactly. we see a picture of it, I can tell you, oh, that's bored, oh, that's monitor real quick. Yep. Send and so, me a Dan, picture. you might send in a picture if you're still having problems. I'm with Tim, though. Might do a cap kit on this and just see. But, you know, mess with your contrast, too, just to see if maybe that helps a little bit. And the color levels and stuff. Continue to mess with that a little bit more, see if it doesn't help it a little bit. But like Tim said, could have a little bleeding out of the caps, too, causing this issue. Okay, Tim, let's move to Judy. Now, Tim, I know in the past we've had some of these names that could have gone, you know, e you know, either way, male or female. 
but I'm pretty sure Judy is probably female here. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just guys named Judy. That's right. Okay. So watch, watch this. Have this guy. Hey, I'm, I'm Judy. You know, <laughs> real deep voice, right? Well, she also says her husband. So. Oh, well, you see, there you go. But anyway, Judy mm-hmm. says, "Hi, I have a Mortal Kombat arcade machine from the early '80s, and I get early eight. Actually, Mortal Kombat, well, late '80s, early '90s, probably. But you know, people. Okay. Anyway, it was working fine until we needed to move it, and my husband disconnected the monitor. Now the screen won't stop horizontally rolling. The picture is clear and in focus. I've spent hours trying to adjust it. Do you have any suggestions on how to fix it?" Now, Tim, just from what she's saying here, this does sound like a, a horizontal hold issue. Yes. Now, it could be the pot, though, like we were talking about before, causing this issue. Uh, Tim, you got anything else here for Judy that she might look at? N- no. Uh, now, she says rolling. Yes. Rolling is a key word for, for the hold. Right. The and, horizontal hold. Now, if it just will not, and I'm, we've seen games like that, yeah. where they just, uh, even they'll get real slow. So I'm asking her, are you adjusting the horizontal hold? You know, and so does it get fast and then slow, but never stop? There's a few more questions I'd like to ask her. But at the same time, if we've had some that just stop and then start again. Yep. And so sometimes you need to replace those uh, horizontal, those, help me with the word here, Jonathan, the caps that look like chiclets. Uh, polypropylene. There you go. Yeah. Okay, we need to, sometimes you need to replace those, do a little horizontal, maybe a new width coil. Would you be surprised how some of that will help that? Yeah. Now, but it could also be her it pot could as be well. Be the like pot, we said. just like we talked about earlier. And there was a couple. If she's suggestions. not getting any change when she's turning that pot, that would be a great indicator. Now she she's getting. That's where I'm going back to the capacitors or those polypropylene capacitors. If it's getting real slow but never stops. Right. Now, if it's continually rolling, she can't change it. Then we're probably looking at the pot. And the pot being the thing that you turn and adjust. Right. Okay. So, yeah, and, and again, you can watch our video on adjusting an arcade monitor for more information on adjusting and what sure. pots look like and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, gee, hopefully that answers your question. It's but, nice to but, have. But not uncommon when you move. Said we moved it. Yep. But, you know, I'm kind of curious why her husband disconnected the monitor to move it. Well, you know, I, I, who knows? Just for safety or Might whatever. Have, well, but, you know, it does make the, I don't know if by disconnecting she means removed it or, I mean, right. we don't really know. But for if sure. you do have a Mortal Kombat from the 80s, I would put it on eBay as a <laughs> prototype. Yeah. That's probably really rare and worth some money. There you go. No, that's cool. Thank well, you, you know, Judy, I mean, for your question. Exactly. But it's always cool to get, you know, questions from women. We don't obviously have a lot of uh, women in this cool. hobby. Cool. Sounds like they sound, they, her and her husband work on it together. Sharing it together. Yeah. And so, you know, we always encourage people. I always, you know, my wife was always like, you're always out there working on games. I finally learned to say, hey, let's come do help it me. together. Like, <laughs> come help. Come hold this. And just by including her, in fact, she's pretty good at it now. So, <laughs> so guys who are out there looking for a girl and you're in the hobby, you need to get somebody like Judy. Right. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, Judy, hopefully answers your question. And good luck with getting this working. Again, like we said, horizontal hold could be the pot. Might need to replace some of the polypropylene capacitors as well as maybe the horizontal width coil if that doesn't work out for you. So hopefully that answers your question. Good luck with that. Tim, I love Mortal Kombat. There's something about it. And speaking of Mortal Kombat, the next question is one, too. And this one's from Barum. Okay. Barum. And he says, hello, I just purchased an old Mortal Kombat 1 game. I hope, monitor- it, I hope Judy didn't sell hers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I went from Barum to Judy. I don't okay. know. The monitor was listed as broken. I, oh, there you go. I went home and messed with the pots, and thanks to your tutorial, got the screen from nothing to white screen 
to actual color in picture. Now, Tim, that just has to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside yeah, right there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Something, you know, somebody actually <laughs> fixed what their pro, at least part of their problem with our videos. That's always great to hear. He continues saying, my problem. One half of the monitor is brighter than the other. The other half is really dark. What is this and how can I fix it? Thank you so much, guys. Your videos have been so much help. Thanks, Tim. Wow. So, Tim, specifically, uh -huh, thank yeah. you. Okay. Now, the darkening of one side of the screen, I've seen this a lot on K7000 monitors. Yes. It's actually a specific cap, which I can't remember at the moment. Right and in the I middle know, of the chassis. I should know what that is just but, right off the bat. I should do, know that number, memorize it. Right. Do do a cap kit on it. That should help you a lot. What's starting to fail, is a, it sounds like, is a capacitor on there. Right. And, you know, Tim, I mean, if one's going bad, like we're always saying, and you got to replace one, why not I just do them all? Exactly. Why not just do the whole thing? I think that's the biggest thing. You know, if you see one, you know, I'm hoping, I, I keep talking, hoping that that capacitor is going to come to but me. But think about this, is. guys. He <laughs> bought it as broken. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you can at least play it now. Yeah. Just from doing the, some of the simple things. That's why I always start simple. At least he got it working. Now we can get it to pristine or collector quality. But at least he got it playing, and I hope he got a good deal. Right. Oh, yeah, probably. C57. C57. That is it. <laughs> that is Try it. Try C57. <laughs> but I, I, cause, if it's um, a 7,000, well, 7, 7, right. But, but the reason why if I'm saying that, go, it may... that is the most common thing. How many times have we seen that, Tim? It had to have been you know, probably in the hundreds. It. On the fly, on the on, on the, the location, fly. That's just right. quickly saw it. Let's just fix it right now. Pop up there. Yeah, but that's it. So, Barum, that might be what you need. You might need that C57. But look, Tim, like you said, he bought a broken game, and he's taking it all the way to working. And one little cap or a cap kit gets this thing 100% working. How incredible is that? And that's all I got to say. I, th that always makes us feel good. Barum, hopefully it answers your question. Get that cap kit in there and let us know how it goes. Let us know if it fixes up your issues. Okay, Tim, let's go to Seamus. You know, Seamus always makes me think of like Ireland or something like that. So mm -hmm. Seamus, Seamus says, I have a Wells Garner D92 that the colors are off, but in an odd way. On the left of the screen, it's very red. The middle top to bottom is fine. And the right side is very green. I've tried degaussing it numerous times with no luck. Could it be that the yoke is loose or out of whack or possibly not close enough to the tube? I can send you a few pictures later if you'd like. Please let me know what you think, Seamus. And he, he actually left his KLOV name. He says thumb. Thumb okay. on KLOV. So just like, you know, your your finger, your thumb is sure. how it's spelled. But uh, Seamus, we, we love guys. You know, uh, we mentioned that a lot of times we have problems with forms getting help, Tim. But as far as, you know, trading and, and meeting up with our collectors, KLOV is a really good place to go. Sure. And so, you know, KLOV, we do like that if site. If you're not rec familiar with it or know what we're talking about, a lot of people just say CLOV. Right, CLOV. They're on the CLOV. But, you know, um, since, since it's an acronym, I feel like I've got to spell it out. Sure. KLOV. KLOV.com. Yeah. Is a great place. It's not. To, it's not a radio station, right? <laughs> it, it, it is actually uh, the, the stands for the killer list of video games, right? And it also is a great way to find out information about your game, download manuals, things like that. So if you're not familiar with that site, you need to stop what you're doing, write that down, or go to it now. Get familiar with it, and they do have forums right. that do what we do. And I believe that the actual klov.com now actually redirects to arcade-museum.com, which okay. is all kind of part of the same site. KLOV is a part of the arcade museum. Now back to Seamus's question, Tim. It does sound like a yoke, doesn't it? Well, it does, except for the fact that it starts off with the word D ninety two hundred, and I can't say what most. Uh, repair guys say the D stands for. <laughs> I'm going to tell him to do something. I've seen this issue once before. Oh, really? Yes. And I thought I tried everything. Right. And, and to the point where I'm fixing to give up. Right. 
I can't exactly remember what I did, but I'll tell him how I fixed it. Okay. Call Wells Gardner or write him. Okay. Tell him you have the 9200. <laughs> <laughs> don't use don't use any. No, that's what they call it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is a secret menu that you get into, and, and it's like you hold down. Uh, the outer two, I can't remember. If I had one in front of me, I might could remember it. Right. But they'll tell you. They'll tell you how to get into the kind of the operator menu. Right. And you go in there, and there's something you adjust, and adjust the colors. Okay. And it will help this issue. I'm pretty sure if he's talking about what I saw, if nothing else, he needs to know how to get in that menu because you can do some other cool stuff that you can't get into. And I had one like that. I was literally ready to throw the thing out. Right. The guy sent me to this menu. I forget what it's called. I, I, I'd have to have it in front of me. It's been a, a, a couple years old. My San Francisco rush. I'll tell you oh, how long yeah, ago it's been. been. So call or email Wells Gardner. Tell him you need to get into the secret or the operator menu, the special menu on that. And they or, will tell us. And, and when we find out or if you find out, let me know and we'll post on how to do it. Or maybe even shoot a video or something on it. Because I'm telling you, there's some things you can do in there with the colors and make the reds less and stuff, and it will help this. Or you have got what we showed on a video before, problems with where your game is setting. Yeah. Move it around 180 degrees. Tell me what, you, what you're getting there. Yeah. And Could yeah, have some rebar. That's actually on, uh, I think that's on DVD Volume 2 maybe or Volume 3, one or the other. Yeah, we've actually shown that before where uh, games, you know, if they're positioned correctly, they'll get different things. But it could also be your yoke as well. You might need yeah, to adjust your yoke Yeah, you kind of got a three-way out. approach here. First thing I do is try to move the game. Right. See if it changes or straightens up. Because he said he degaussed it. doesn't say he turned it. Right. Sometimes just turning it 90 degrees. Help. 90 degrees will help. Uh, then, like Jonathan said, I would check your yoke. I would play with that, but check out that sub menu that I'm talking about. Uh, there's some cool stuff you can do in there. So, Seamus, hopefully that gives you at least three things that you can try on your D9200 monitor. Now, Tim, we should mention that these D92s were the monitor to get when they came out. Oh, yeah. And are still very nice monitors, even though they do have issues from time to time. It can be a little troublesome. There's also a chip on there that can cause issues. Correct. I remember that. Yeah, and so, a chip. Be, believe it or not, though, Wills Garner is actually very helpful, and I would I would either email or I'd call them. Right. And I'd say, I need help with this monitor. And even the average collector person, they usually will take the time and help you. They can they can tell you way more than I can about it. Sounds good. So, Seamus, hopefully that at least gives you three things to try on this monitor. Try those out. Let us know what you come up with. And let us know if you do get the issue resolved. Okay, Tim, let's move to Tom. Now, Tom says, I'm looking to pick up a 1943 Battle of Midway game. The seller assures me that the game plays fine, but it is barely visible on the monitor. He's telling me that it just needs a new bulb and that it's an inexpensive fix. I'm hoping to go look at it in the next few days, but I was wondering if this sounds legit. This will be my first arcade game, and I have a very limited knowledge on troubleshooting. Thanks. So, Tim, we've got Tom here, and he's looking at a game that just needs a new bulb. Okay. So, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think? Well, I don't think that's going to... Yeah, new bulb, maybe a new monitor. Right, maybe a, a tube. tube. Yeah, maybe a maybe tube. Maybe what he's calling that. Well, we got questions from all the world that maybe what's called in England or something. No, maybe, you never maybe know. Maybe a bulb, I don't know. But it's not a light bulb, that's for sure. Right. And if it's too dark on the screen, could be your tube. It could just need some adjusting. Yeah, and it could just be your chassis. It could be chassis needs a cap kit. Here's I mean, what we're know. talking about, though, guys. This is the same way we would approach it. I would approach that as it's going to need a new monitor. Yep. So that knocks off $200 off whatever price he's asking. Right. Unless he's asking under $200. <laughs> right. 
But you know, that's then it how it knocks hundred dollars off. Yeah, knocks hundred dollars <laughs> off, or or he pays you ten dollars or haul it off. Whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the basic question is, he's asking us about buying it. Right. Okay. So would we hesitate? No, we'd be all over it if it was a good price. Right. But the price would have to reflect that because even us knowing that that monitor has issues, or it might be an adjustment, or it could need a cap kit, flyback, and all this, and then we might have a bad tube. We don't know. We might end up having to get a new monitor ourselves. So approach it like that and, and bid or pay accordingly. And I think that's good advice, Tim. It does sound like that. Like you said, I mean, bulb, he might be saying tube, but that might be really yeah. what he means here. He says here. it's his first arcade game. So he definitely could should use uh, some of our videos. It will help him. He could fix it. Oh, I'm yeah. just saying get it for the price. And, and what we're talking about, a Battle Midway game, let me just throw out some numbers. If it's over $200, you're overpaying it yeah. for one that has a monitor issue. Yes. So you need to be in that $100 or less range as a non-working game that you could play. I don't... I Maybe don't, $150, if, but if, if, if it depends. I would say that's a really great deal. I would say that I might pay, if this is my first game... Because, you know, it always seems like you pay more for your first game. Yeah, I, you know, I might pay up to 300 for this, but no more. Right. But it's barely visible. Yeah, you see, that's, that's what, the you thing. You cannot, I would treat that as a non-working game, and I'm throwing in 150 or less bid. Yeah, maybe. I'm I mean, cheap, too. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I'm with you there. I mean, hey, here's the thing, though. I always throw out a bid at first that's lower than what I think. Right. You know, because we have to meet in the middle. Sure. That's what I always think. And so, you know, if I'm thinking to myself, okay, I need to pay 200 for this, I'm going to throw out maybe 100 or 150 to see if we can't meet at that 200. So, Tom, hopefully answers your question. Uh, not necessarily a new bulb, unless he's talking about a new tube, but more than likely something with a monitor adjustment here or maybe even some chassis work is going to be required in order to get this guy running. So hopefully answers your question, and uh, good luck with your 1943 if you end up picking it up. Okay, Tim, let's move to Kaku14. Now, this is somebody who sent us an email but did not leave their name. Okay. So we're going to go by what their email is. And Kaku14 says, Hello, I have a Silverball Mania pinball machine, and I'm having trouble with the GI lights. For those who don't know what GI is, General Illumination. Okay. It has four wires that go to the lights. A red one, an orange one, a white one, and a green one. When I bought the machine, the plug that goes to the lights had burned out, and someone had done some repairs. Well, to get to the point, the wires I listed, all of them, are hot with 7.2 volts. The wires under the board cross back and forth, feeding at 7.2 to all the wires. Can you help me with this? Thank you. Okay, uh -huh. Tim. So we have a Silver Ball Mania pinball machine that's not getting general illumination. Okay. Okay, so it, basically it sounds like we're not getting power. Right. You know, I mean, we might be getting some power, but not very much. Maybe some to the boards or something like that, but we're not getting general illumination. And so he's saying that we've got some wires here, and the plug that went to the lights, is, it burned out, and they did some kind of probably squirrely wiring job on it, I imagine, to get it working. Mm -hmm. And then he's measuring these wires. They're coming off with 7.2 volts, and he's trying to figure out where they go. And, Tim, it's really hard to tell without having pictures of the game or looking at the game, really, to, or even a schematic in front of us, to see what exactly is happening here. But what advice can you give him as far as you know getting well, this thing What going? it sounds like is they're all hot wires. He needs yeah. a ground to go along with them. Right. He only takes... You can run some up to the top, some down the bottom, and spread the seven volts around what you need. Right. But you need also to be grounded. So there's two two places to plug in or, or to solder in the wires. And it may just be you have a broken ground wire somewhere. Sure. They should could be daisy-chained and off of each other. So check your ground wire. Sounds like it just needs a ground to complete that circuit. 
and then uh, the lights would probably work even even if you just ran one wire, one of those seven volts. But sure. okay. it probably goes to different ones. And be honest with you, I've worked on somebody. Uh, we'll throw in a link to uh, Marvin's museum, right? Uh, and they tell step by step by step on how to work on some of these pinball games, and, and especially in the short amount of time that we're talking about. But you sound like you need to be grounded. If yeah. they're all hot, you got to have a ground wire. Otherwise, you just hook one up and it would light up the bulb. Sounds good. So hopefully it answers the question here. And again, pictures would really help here too. If we could see sure. some pictures of the inside of the cabinet and see exactly what he's looking at. So hard to tell by just like wire color or voltage sometimes exactly what's going on. But And we'll also link over, like you said, Tim, to Marvin's site as well. So you'll get that as well. But hopefully that at least gives you somewhere to start there. And, uh, you know, like Tim said, might look for some ground wires to see if uh, maybe there's no connections there. Hopefully you can at least get those GI lights up because that's pretty much the first thing you got to do, Tim, when you're working on a pinball machine. Right. So, okay, Tim, let's move to Donnie. Now, Donnie says, I have a Nintendo Play choice, and the monitor and sound doesn't start up, but when the system is turned on, the LED indicators on the game boards turn on. Do you think that the diodes could be the problem? I'm sure the game boards are running correctly. When I put a coin in, it it ups time on the timer, and when you press the button, it starts counting down as if the game is playing, but nothing shows on the screen, and no sound is being outputted. I'm unsure what to do to fix this. I've been looking into different things, such as replacing the monitor or using a CGA to VGA card, but in reality, I'm not quite sure what I should do. Any thoughts? Now, Tim, something to keep in mind on Nintendo games, which I don't know if we mentioned this in our Working with Nintendo Cabinets video or not, is that the sound for these games right. is on the monitor. So it's hard to tell if it's playing blind because the sound could be part of the problem with the monitor. But he does give us three good indicators. Very good indicators. One, he coins it up and it, it resets the timer. Okay. I mean, that's one. And then two, when he hits the start button, it... Starts counting down. The, it starts counting down on the LED indicators, and there's LED indicators on the board. Right. So overall, those three are pretty good signs that more than likely our boards are working, but something's going wrong with our monitor. Okay. Remember what we learned about LED indicators, though. Yes. They can take like three volts. Right. Whereas the game actually needs five. So we're gonna always start at power. Yep. He needs to check his voltages coming off the power supply, but it does sound like he has a monitor issue, so he needs to recap. His monitor also, right, and like we said, that solves a lot of issues on Nintendo. Yeah, and there's also a cap or some caps. I can't remember if there's just a cap or some caps on the soundboard and yes. monitor adjustment little board. Right, that's off to the side of the monitor. Yeah, you can rebuild see. that soundboard. You might need to rebuild that. So get that plus the cap. Kit. Right, you might. And I, I was trying to remember if when you get the cap kit, if it includes that or not. I couldn't remember. He asked, "Could the diodes be the problem?" And the answer, quite simply, is yes, it could be. Yes, you can read them and check them with the meter. And see, and I know on one of our DVDs we show that. Yep. Uh, I believe it's volume two. Yep. Shows we that. actually we actually do have Talk a video about on that. Diodes, so. Yeah, I mean, you can get okay. it on YouTube too. I believe that one. Okay. So he needs to check those. So it could be could be bad dials. Usually when the dials are going bad, they'll start popping fuses. Yeah. Exactly. So that's something to keep in mind. I'm I'm thinking cap kit, and he probably needs to cap both the monitor. And the little soundboard, Tim. If yeah. And like I said, I can't remember if it's all included in one kit or if you have to get separate kits for them. But I was also thinking there's a soundboard repair kit that yes, you could get. Is. And so he might need the soundboard repair kit and the cap kit in order to get it working. Right. So, Donnie, hopefully answers your question. He, might need he to get says both he's parts. been looking at different things such as replacing monitor or using a CGA to VGA card. Uh, any thoughts? And, and I would definitely, here's my thought. Try to fix what you got first. I would at least do the cap kit. That's your cheapest, easiest fix. If that doesn't work and you rebuild that sound card, then, yeah, 
you might want to do that, depending on how much burn you got. Now, something something about replacing monitors, though, in Nintendo games especially, is that you can't use the power going up to the monitor now because it's 100 volt. Right. And so you'll have to either, you might have to put a whole new isolation transformer in your cabinet, True. run it off of power, and then have it go up to the monitor or buy monitors that don't require uh, so the simple thing is, we would definitely try to fix the one that's in there. Yes. Because they look great when they're working, oh, even they if you had to send it off. Yeah. Even if you spend $120 or whatever Chad or somebody would charge to fix it, you're still cheaper than buying another monitor. Yep. And you're going to have a rebuilt one that's probably last forever. Yep. So, Donnie, you have it. Our, our recommendation on what you should do, because he right. capitalizes what the should. should. What fix should you that. do? Fix your Sanyo monitor that's in it now, and if you just cannot get it fixed for some reason, then we can move on to trying to replace that monitor. But let, let's try to fix it first, and then just let us know how it goes if you do end up doing the cap kit and the soundboard repair kit as well. Okay, Tim, let's move to Dave. Now Dave says, Hi, I just bought a JAMA Street Fighter 2 arcade machine. The screen is around 50 millimeters to the left. I've tried to adjust the horizontal position, but it was already all the way to the right. Any ideas? Cheers, Dave. Well, we're having a lot of common, this is a common thread. Yeah, a lot of today. screen size issues. This one, though, could be the horizontal width coil that he needs to adjust. Could be. Yeah, because, no, well, not width. He's, he's actually talking about position here, though. Right. So, I mean, now, a lot of times on monitors, you don't have a pot for position, but you have kind of a three-prong jumper. Right. Remember that? And I'm trying to remember what monitor that is specifically that has the three-prong yeah, jumper. It's like a G, the, uh... And well, sometimes um, they'll wire a pot where that three prong like where that, that three prong jumper is anyway. I but I can't remember which one. Yeah, it's a we either Wells Gardner forty nine hundred. Yeah, it's a Wells Gardner or a Geo seven. One or the other. But Man, I'm having a blank. Yeah, but you know so part. he might you know, he's saying he's saying to he tried to adjust the horizontal position, but it was all the way to the right. So I mean obviously the pot is all the way to the right. Could be a pot issue like we've talked about earlier. Take a picture of your monitor and show it to me. I know what you're talking about. You move the jumper over down at the bottom. Right. And the whole screen will jump. Yeah. Quite a bit. Exactly. So let me know. Let's take a picture. Tell me what kind of monitor you got. And I should know that right off the hand, but. And, you know, he might, I mean, other than that, I don't know what else he can do. I mean, does he need to look at maybe the horizontal width coil? Does he need to like look at polypropylene caps at this point, Tim? If, if... Not at this point. Okay. We need, we need to probably determine what kind of monitor he has. And it could even be that the screen is going dark on one side. I don't yeah. know, you know. Yeah, you never know. So, or you know, um, you know, sometimes yoke positioning too, stuff like that. We've seen weird stuff with that as well. So, Dave, hopefully that at least gives you somewhere to start. It really sounds like you probably need to, if you can find a jumper that might control that horizontal position on your chassis, try that first. If not, we might have to start looking at some of the other parts on the chassis to see what's going on. So, hopefully that answers your question and at least gives you somewhere to start. Good luck with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move to Clay. Now, Clay says, I have an Area 51 dedicated cabinet, and the monitor is missing. I picked it up from a guy who just wanted it gone. I also have a Lucky and Wild dedicated that only has the monitor. Is there any way to make this monitor work in the Area 51 board? The connectors are different, I know, and it's an older game. I am new to the arcade cabinets, and any help would be appreciated. Well, Tim, I mean, this is basically the exact same thing that we do in our Replacing an Arcade Monitor video. Yes. The exact same thing. We take... A cabinet that doesn't, I mean, that had a monitor in it, take the old monitor out, put a new one in, wire it all up, and show you pretty much how to do it. So, Clay, that's probably what you need to look at here, is you need to look at our video on replacing an arcade monitor. There's two parts to it. Make sure you watch both parts. The wiring, as we've talked about earlier tonight, Tim, is always tricky, right? Yeah. And so you'll have to be careful with that wiring. But other than that, you should be good to go. Tim, yeah. anything else on that one? He says, is it possible? And yes. The yeah. answer is probably yes. It should work. Yeah. 
Should should work. It could work. You're gonna have to maybe do a little bit with the sink wire. The mounting might be a little weird too. Yeah. Because depending on how the Area 51 cabinet's laid out as far as monitor, uh, monitor mounting is, you might have to get a different mount even, you know, to get it to fit. But um, yes, definitely possible and definitely something that we would even do, Tim. Right? Something that we would do even. So, uh, hopefully, I answer your question, Clay. You might have to do a little bit of, of work, but check out our replacing and arcade monitor videos and check out both of them, and then uh, let us know how it goes from there. And Tim, we're to our last, our last question for the website questions, and it's a long one. This is from Jason, okay. and uh, he actually addresses it to me, but I'll go ahead and read the whole thing here. He says, Hi, Jonathan. My name is Jason, and I wanted to thank you for sharing your insights and expertise for the benefit of collectors everywhere. I recently jumped into the arcade world by acquiring a Space Firebird cocktail, and the journey has been a lot more enjoyable thanks to your tutorials. It's a tremendous benefit to the arcade community. After adjusting the various monitor pots according to your advice, I was able to turn a high contrast and distorted screen into a crisp clear image. When I pick it up, the person thought it would have to be recapped or possibly require a new monitor, so I'm grateful for your guidance. Okay. So it's always good to hear that. It's sure. always good to hear that somebody did fix their game, so we'll continue on here. After about two weeks of gameplay, however, I turned on the machine and the game began to display erratically. Essentially, the various sprites, such as the attacking birds in the game, would often be twinned with a ghostly counterpart that would flicker in and out of view as the bird swooped around the screen on the attack. Aiming for the ghost image didn't destroy the enemy bird, only if you aim for the real bird, so the collision detection was still working. Overall, the ghosted sprites would range from a nuisance to downright irritating, particularly when swarms of birds were on the attack. Essentially, the presence of the ghosts were unpredictable. Sometimes they would even seem to calm down, and in other cases they had seemed to plague a lot of the sprites. In addition to the twin ghosts, the game would also display other erratic behavior. For example, the phrase 10 best scores during a track mode would drop characters outright or substitute a different letter, or sometimes you'd see an overlapping twin ghost letter flicker slightly off to the side, so it might look as if it were out of focus if you're looking through binoculars. In another case, characters would be displayed in a different area, although the level or plane of the game where it should be. For example, in the bottom right-hand corner where the credits would display during the track mode and gameplay, the eye would sometimes display in the very middle bottom of the screen. I've attached a picture to try to illustrate some of these issues, although I hope my general description gives a clear picture, no pun intended. In this attached image, you'll see that the bird on the far left has pieces of it ghosted to either side. You'll also see an R ghosted to the far right of the space bird text at the very top. You'll see a piece of the bird graphic to represent the number of birds remaining on any given stage is displayed over the number 09. Along with the very bottom, you'll see an eye of the credit displayed below the ship. Yesterday, I checked the power supplies you suggested in the video. The DC was about 5.4, so I adjusted it down to 5 volts, but the problem still persists. One person suggested that I check all socketed components and reseat them. Based on my description, what next steps would you advise in troubleshooting this problem? I'd be extremely grateful for any insights and suggestions. Thank you so much for your help. Jason. All right. Okay, that was a lot. Okay, so Jason's here, and, and Tim, it sounds like, at first he says ghosting. But as you start to read the detail more and more, it really starts sounding more and more like board issues, doesn't yes. it? And so did you have a chance to look at his picture? I looked and kind at of... it, and that's exactly, it looks like he has some bad ROMs or, or it could be um, some sprite issues. So, yeah, the the first the person suggested they checked all the socket and reseat them. Yeah. And that's what we said. Yeah, that's, that's what a we great suggested. thing. We've already and, talked about that some tonight. And actually told him ROMs, like reseat all the ROMs, correct? Right. And our socketed Socket components. Component. Uh, sometimes it's hard to tell when you're just looking at boards and stuff. But, yeah, it sounds like that's what exactly what he needs to do. So he just needs to take out some of the socketed components, reseat them. Might need to clean them like we talked about earlier. Because uh -huh. it does sound like there's some, some little maybe logic things even. Maybe not even ROM issues per se. Maybe actual logic issues that 
that are going on that are causing some issues here. Definitely sounds more like a board issue than a monitor issue, right, Mm -hmm. Tim? I mean, that's what it sounded like to me anyway. So, Jason, it sounds like you do need to try those next steps, as as they suggested. It really does sound like this is more of an issue with, with your board than it is with the monitor. Tim, anything else to add to Jason? No, since we've kind of talked about that a couple times tonight, I hope you listen to the whole podcast. I, I think we're on the right track. Sounds good. So, Jason, hopefully that gives you at least some next steps, as you would say, to where you need to go next. And, Tim, that actually finishes up the website questions. Now, I have something special to announce right here. Okay. Before we move on to the YouTube questions, we're actually going to have a special community update from Mark, who's our Facebook manager, as I like to call him. And he's going to give us some updates on what's been going on on the Facebook page. And I like to call this segment Community Update. Okay. So we're going to take a second here. We're going to listen to what Mark has to say. And then we'll come back with the YouTube questions. So I hope you enjoy Mark's new segment, Community Update. Here it is. Thank you, Tim and Jonathan. Uh, Greetings, everybody. This is Mark, and now it's time for the Facebook community update. Okay, on January 3rd, I posted a question to everybody. Uh, What kind of arcade projects do you think you'd be working on this year? We had 23 replies to this. David Young, he replied, and he he said he's going to finish restoring his Galaga cabinet. And uh, for his next restoration project, he wants to work on a Space Invaders Deluxe. Jerry Kramer said that he's going to finish assembling his track and field and his Tron machine. Eric Gavlin, uh, he said that he wants to find the rest of the parts for his Tron cocktail that he's restoring. He needs two spinners, uh, so if anybody out there that's listening to this and you got two of those spinners that'll work, look them up on our Facebook page and uh, send them a message. Ted Broski mentioned on our Facebook page that he hopes to do his first playfield swap in his class of 1812 pinball machine. Then he mentioned after he's done with that, he's going to put LEDs in the game. Uh, sounds like a good project, so uh, good luck with that, Ted. On January 3rd, Chris Price, he posted up a picture of his uh, Space Zap game that he had just got done restoring. came out pretty nice, so uh, go on out to the Facebook page and uh, take a look at it if you haven't seen it already. January 3rd was also uh, Steve Weeby's birthday, so happy birthday, Steve. On January 4th, I posted the question to everybody... Who all is going to go to the Texas Pinball Festival this year? And I had seven replies. Sean Christensen said he's going and he's going to bring six to eight pins probably. Craig Hassel said he wouldn't miss it. Stephen Thaxton said he'll be there and it's his first time. He's really looking forward to it. John R. Oeth said it looks like his work might allow him to go, so he's, he's looking forward to it. And Jose Castro said, hell yeah, I'm going. So we're looking forward to seeing all of you there. Uh, we're all going to try and go. It's uh, For those of you who don't know, it's the 24th and 25th of March, and that's in Grapevine, Texas. Our good friend Josh Cullett, on January 5th, he posted that he discharged his first monitor. So good job with that, Josh. Keep learning that arcade knowledge. On January 7th, we posted that iTunes, as well as Hulu, and Amazon are now going to be carrying the documentary Chasing Ghosts for download. It has not been available. It was shown on Showtime quite a few times, and people had recorded it and passed it around the Internet. But it's a pretty good uh, documentary if you haven't seen it. It was actually filmed prior to The King of Kong. It has some of the same people. Steve Weeby's not in it, of course, but Billy Mitchell's in there, and uh, it's also some people that aren't in The King of Kong. 
So you get a little bit different take on things. Some of the footage is the same though. Uh, they kind of recycled some of that into the King of Kong. It's a really good watch. Uh, I recommend it. Give it a look. On January 7th, Daniel Mackey, he uh, posted a question. He wanted to know uh, how he could put his non-JAMA Pac-Man board into a JAMA setup. It's pretty easy. A lot of places sell adapters for that. So all you have to do is shop around a little bit. Uh, Arcade Shop is one of them. They sell adapters for a lot of different classic games that'll uh, so you can hook them up to uh, a JAMA harness. If you're real ambitious, you can make an adapter on your own, just a little bit of soldering and uh, what they call a fingerboard. But the easiest way to do it is uh, just buy a ready-made adapter. Also on January 7th, I posted a video of a young gentleman. He decided to make his science project where he would do a comparison of a pinball machine with incandescent bulbs, the power consumption versus a pinball machine that had been converted over completely to LEDs. From uh, They bought them at Cointaker.com. And uh, if you watch the video, it shows in there them changing them all out. And then uh, he, he measures it with a kilowatt meter. The findings were uh, pretty impressive. The power consumption was 50% less. You know, and of course, it's a lot brighter. And, and uh, that prompted me to post a poll to our board. And the poll was, uh, how do you feel about replacing pinball bulbs with LEDs? So the results of the poll, we ran for a little while. Uh, Everybody said there was nine votes for no, you lose the classic feel. There was seven votes for yes, it looks better. And three people said they didn't care. On January 8th, Stern Pinball posted a video. It was a teaser video, uh, pretty much confirming that they were making the ACDC game for the first time. Uh, didn't show any play field footage or any gameplay or anything. Just basically had the words ACDC and uh, some music. On January 8th, Ryan Atkinson had posted a, a question uh, about a 2004 Golden Tee board, and it didn't work. He said he had two green lights on it on the board were flashing, and one was solid red. He was kind of asking us, what do you think that means? And he has no sound on his monitor. The best thing, and this is what Jonathan directed him to do, is whenever you have any kind of codes on a game, any kind of like that, any kind of little things that's telling you stuff like different flashing lights, or some games even have like a little... Uh, numeric character thing that will tell you a number always read the manual so uh, we sent him a link to the manual and I uh, hope that helps out Ryan Kevin Main posted uh, that he was looking for an original or a repo of the whole assembly for the Tempest plastic knob and the whole assembly and uh, our good friend Josh responded to that one and he uh, he suggested hey uh, put up a message on uh, KLOV you know a lot of people sell parts in, uh, on there if you guys aren't aware, there's another form out there. It's called Killer List of Video Games. If you Google, you'll find it. Kevin uh, posted back later on that same post, and he said that he did find the part that he needed on KLOV. So uh, good looking out, Josh. On January 9th, Jonathan posted a link to a video that talks about a book that is being authored by Kurt Vendell and Martin Goldberg. It's a complete history of Atari. It's really in-depth. They have a lot of information on there. Uh, so go on there and give that video a look. It, it looks like that book is going to be really interesting. And on that same link, you can choose to be a backer for this project if you want. And uh, depending on how much you choose to contribute, you can even receive a free copy of the book. Okay, let's talk Stern ACDC Pinball now. On January 9th, we posted the first views of the Playfield art. 
and you can go there and see it. You can go there and see any of these things that I'm talking about if you look up on the appropriate dates on the Facebook page. On January 10th, I posted some pictures of a Whitewood of the LE version. You can see there's going to be a second play field that's going to be below the play field. Kind of like on Haunted House or Black Hole or what was another one? Congo had that same kind of thing going. All those pinball machines like that. And then yesterday, I posted some actual gameplay footage that I found from a game show in Germany. Also, there's footage on there of what the DMD looks like in action. Now, I just want to let you know a little bit about me and ACDC, okay? I am a, like a true ACDC fan. I was waiting for this game. You know, as soon as I heard it was a rumor, I started putting money in the bank every month. I started to fund. Then when the rumors were confirmed, I was like, yes! I am an ACDC fan for life. So this is pretty much my dream game. But I think it's only fair. If you're going to say something that you think should be improved, you should also offer a suggestion on how to improve it. So I'm going to talk about three things I like about the game. And then I'm going to talk about three things that I think can be improved. And again, these are just my opinions. And I haven't played the game yet. So this is just going off the look of the game. All right. Three things that I liked about the game. Number one was the DMD animations. Right away I noticed somebody put a lot of thought into those. I saw one animation that was a cartoon of Angus. He's riding in the rock and roll train and he, he reaches up and he pulls the whistle and, he's in, and his tongue is flapping out. That was actually taken from a cartoon that was shown right before the concert that I saw in Austin. And they show that little cartoon where the train is going down the, tra the trail and then Angus is blowing the whistle and that's where that was taken from. And I was like, huh, somebody's really thinking. So that was pretty cool. I noticed that. There's a lot of other good stuff in there in those animations. The Hellbell. That was my second thing I liked. Okay, that was cool. That, but that was a gimme. You're not going to make a uh, ACDC game and not have the Hellbell and not have the cannon. You have to have that. The third thing I liked... The rock and roll train toy. Although I probably would have liked to have the Rosie better. For those of you who don't know, you're not really big fans, but there's a song called Whole Lot of Rosie. And during the concert, usually they're like, there's like this big inflatable woman that blows up uh, when they sing that song. Well, it would have been nice to have the, the woman there on the playfield or whatever. But the, the train was cool too. Okay, now I'm going to talk about my three improves. Number one, the cannon. When I first saw the pictures of the playfield, I was like messaging people and I was like, where's the cannon? Where's the cannon at? I don't see the cannon. They left the cannon out of the game? And then somebody said, no, look, it's it's right above the right flipper. It's right right on the right above the slingshot. And it's because they, they made the cannon. It's like this blue box. It doesn't really look like a cannon. So I was kind of let down. What I would have done, yeah, make make a plastic cannon molding that goes over that little the launcher, you know, make it look like a real cannon. They, when you go see ACDC in concert, they don't have a box that looks like a cannon. They have a real cannon. All right, anyway, number two thing that I kind of said, well, I, I kind of don't like this game because of this, was the layout is similar to T2. And I own a T2 pinball machine. So it's kind of like, well, do I want to buy a game that's similar to one I already own? So that's really not Stern's fault that's, that I own, you know, already have a T2, you know. But, again, it does affect my purchase. Uh, okay, number three. This is a big one. The artwork. You know, everybody said stuff about it. 
If you haven't seen the Playfield artwork, go take a look at it. The thing that most people have objection to is there's a big Angus face right in the middle. And it's the face from the, the Highway to Hell album. But it's, it's pretty big. It's like right up there. And some arguments have been said, well, this is an iconic image of the band. It's on everything. It's on bags. It's on cups. It's on neckties. You know, when you think ACDC, you think this face. Well, yeah, kind of, but I don't want to be looking at it all day. I'd rather have, if you had to use that image, use the image of the whole band from that Highway to Hell album. Because the other thing I noticed, there's no mention of Bon Scott anywhere in the whole game. Again, for those of you who are non-fans, Bon Scott was the singer uh, before Brian Johnson. And Bon Scott, he passed away. So I thought it would be it would be nice if you had the picture that that face was from show the whole band instead of just Angus's face. And then you would have had the whole band and you would have had Bon Scott, which would be a nice kind of like a tribute to Bon Scott. And uh, I think that would have been the best. And the face wouldn't have been so big. It would have been a better look. Other things I, I wrote down, uh, you could have used the, like the crazy fly and the ACDC logo in the center. Or you could have could have put the train just coming straight out at you. Look, So that's what I, uh, that was my review so far. So we'll see what it's like uh, when we get to play it there at the uh, Texas Pinball Festival. Check it out. On January 15th, we uh, put a post up to alert everybody that there's an episode of Storage Wars Texas coming on. Somebody finds a uh, cocktail arcade game in one of the storage lockers that they bid on. It turned out just to be a, uh, a 61 cocktail. Then he takes it over to a uh, gentleman that owns a barcade there in the Dallas area. I didn't like how they tried to portray the game as it was a legit Miss Pac-Man. If you were an uninformed, non-arcade person, you really wouldn't know that that was a 16-1 game that they were showing. They kind of showed it. The guy plugged it in, and the guy, he must have played Miss Pac-Man, you know, back in the day, because when it started and it didn't come up right away, Miss Pac-Man, he's like, oh, it's broken. And then the guy was like, oh, no, it's it's got to go through its boot-up phase. Yeah, because it's it's actually, you know, the 16-1 card is actually a, uh, it's a version of MAME running on there, and it boots Linux, and it's got to load all those ROMs. And it's it's loading all those ROMs, and yeah, he says, oh, it's got to go through its boot-up phase. And then for a second there, they kind of show you the menu screen of the uh, 61. And then they cut away real quick. And then it goes back to where it's uh, showing the uh, attract mode on the Miss Pac-Man. And the guy's like, see, look, it's a Miss Pac-Man. And it's working good. I just didn't like how they portrayed that, that that's a classic Miss Pac-Man machine. And it's worth this much. If you missed the episode of uh, Storage Wars Texas when it aired with the cocktail uh, Miss Pac-Man 60-1. You can uh, view it. We have some links there on the Facebook page. Just go uh, look up January 15th and you can click one of those links and uh, you'll be able to view the episode. On January 16th, uh, we had a post up on the Facebook page. It's a little video that Clay Harrell made. You may know Clay from this old pinball pair videos, but he, uh, he made this video of where he talks about how he, he repaired a 1941 Evans Tommy gun machine. You really got to see this. It's it's amazing how he repaired this game. So get on there and take a look at that. That's It's really nice. On January 17th, there's a post about a basic tutorial for uh, kind of how to solder if you're just starting out. Shows uh, how to remove solder also. So uh, give it a look if, you, if you're just kind of learning how to solder, trying to practice and stuff. 
it's a pretty good little video. I'll give it a look. On uh, January 18th, there was a guy. He asked a question on our Facebook page. His name was Resist Gerson, I think that's how you say it. But uh, he asked a question, how do you assemble a capacitor checker? Well, it's pretty straightforward if you know how to solder. Get somebody, a buddy, that if, if you're not, you haven't done a lot of soldering, get somebody to help you with it. But it's pretty straightforward. They'll they'll send you the kit. It's almost like doing a cap kit, except you're not just doing all caps. There's some resistors in there. There's some transistors and all kinds of other little components. So uh, you just follow the little map on the little paper they send you, and you, you just build, build the stuff onto the board. I ordered a, a blue ESR meter myself. It came out good. It works fine. Just take your time. That's the only thing. It, it uh, just takes a little time to solder it together. It's not real hard. On uh, January 19th, we had a really good uh, question from Mike Frawley. He uh, says, hello, wondering if someone can help me. I'm new to arcade games. I have a game that started shooting sparks out from the chassis. It's a Wells Gardner Model 25,000-7191. And he says, I can't seem to find another one. Can I send it somewhere to get it fixed or find a replacement? I'm from Peoria, Illinois. Thanks. See, that was smart that he, he did say where he was from because it's like we always say, if you say where you're from, there might be a buddy that's five blocks over that's that's on our Facebook page that's reading this and be like, hey, I didn't know that guy lived near me. And then he's going to start messaging you and then now you got a good arcade buddy or you got somebody that's going to come over and help you learn how to solder or help you learn how to discharge a monitor or just different things but anyway when chassis starts sparking like that what's we t what we told him basically is uh, yeah it's it's pretty much your flyback is going michael says sometimes if it's just cracked you can uh seal that with silicone but a lot of times you know you can't it, it all depends so uh yeah he's gonna have to replace his flyback on january 20th jersey jack pinball posted up some images uh actually a movie of what some of the animations on the the back glass you know as you know in the new wizard of oz pinball machine the back glass is actually going to be an lcd monitor and uh they were showing on there some of the animations so your pictures on your back glass are actually going to move and react to different things you're doing in the game you're also going to have scoring on there and you're also going to have movie clips you know actual footage I think this is going to be a game changer, folks. I think it's going to be, when this thing comes out, it's going to make DMD games seem old. There hasn't been a major technological change in pinball in uh, about 20 years, so this is quite innovative. Things are looking up in uh, the pinball universe. Uh, someone actually made their own homebrew version of a uh, Metallica pinball machine. I believe they used a Whirlwind machine. But anyway... All the details are there on the post on our Facebook page. It's uh, on the 23rd of January. There's a petition going around to try and save the Flynn's Arcade that's at Disneyland. I guess they're going to replace it with some uh, Alice in Wonderland thing or something. If that's something you care about and you'd like to see Flynn's Arcade continue, go uh, see our link there on our Facebook page. You can uh, sign that petition and uh, maybe it'll stay open. Who, who knows? Well, that brings us up to current, and uh, I just want to thank everybody that goes in on our Facebook page and answers questions from other people. I know how it was when I was starting out, and it was a lot harder back then. That's why I don't mind helping people that are just starting out, trying to learn arcades and stuff. 
if you can, if you know the answer to a question that's that's been posted or something, hey, put it out there. We appreciate all the help in the community, and uh, let's keep building it and make it better. So that's about it for this month. Back to you, Tim and Jonathan. Well, Tim, that was our community update from Mark. And I tell you what, he did a great job. He's a good guy. And guys, if you've ever visited our Facebook page, Mark's probably responded to one of your posts. He, he does a good job updating the site. And we appreciate Mark and all of his experience. And hopefully, Tim, we can get him live on the podcast at some point in the future. So, sure. But it's good to have him at least do a little community update for us. So, uh, Mark, thanks again for that. And without further ado, let's move on to the YouTube questions. And, Tim, we have a couple of these here tonight. And the first one is from KG66Manta, who says, Great videos. Always scary working on the back of a cabinet, as I fear I will get zapped, but these videos reduce that fear. If I wanted to turn up the brightness on my monitor, the one next to the focus on the tube, and I touch the metal housing, would I get zapped if the machine is unplugged? Okay, so Tim, I've got the focus and the brightness on my flyback, is okay. what it sounds like. And there's a metal housing a lot of times wrapped around that. Right. Okay, if I touch that metal housing, will I get zapped if the machine's unplugged? You shouldn't. Right. And, even and if, if the machine's do, up, even if, if the, the machine's, machine's plugged, plugged in, in, you should. I've touched it before. But what he could do is most of them have a place where you can stick a screwdriver in there. That's right. And you could use a screwdriver to get your hand away from there to calm your fear. You can also get a rubberized tip screwdriver. That might help them some. But there is so much information about getting zapped. Let me tell you guys. Stan was here. Stan has been zapped a thousand times. <laughs> he probably will never, a defibrillator probably will never work on him one day because he's been shocked way more than that. You know, honestly, guys, I'll be super honest. Even a hard zap is not going to hurt you too bad. I right. mean, it's going to hurt, but yeah. not just like sticking your finger in the lights. It hurts for a second, but it's. But over I mean, with. we say it can kill you. Yeah. Because if you if we, well, we the, wanna, under the right circumstances, we want to be yeah. err on the side of caution. Exactly. So I, if you're that cautious, why not wear some rubber gloves and do it? Yeah. Even the thinner gloves, you know. And I was gonna say, if you're gonna some, if you're gonna try the screwdriver on this, might be better to try the alignment tool. Alignment tool that great, we like great, to use, great tip, right? Great that we tip. like to use instead of the uh, yeah. And you can get a foot away from that thing. That's Don't right. worry about it. <laughs> sure. And you're holding a piece of plastic too, so. But Tim, I've never probably yeah, I've never worried about it. But yeah, you're just probably gonna need to get over that fear if it did shock you. I don't think, especially with a game off, it's not right. going to be very hard at all. Right. And, uh, but it's better to more make... More like a stat. Here, here's something I like to tell people. You know, when you rub your feet on the carpet and you hit somebody, that's like 4,000 volts. Right. It hurts. It does. But it it, it pops. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, it hurts the person popping as well. As, but we do it to be funnier to, because it only hurts for just a tiny second. Right. And then it's over. And then right. you're, you're not recovering from it in the hospital. So... That would compare most of those to about that. Right. Give somebody an idea. Right. How's it feel? Maybe it a little feels, bit more consistent than that. Yeah. Instead if, of just if, a quick If you've shot, got but. some major issue where it's continually shocking right. you. But most of the time it's a zap, just like that. Just right. like you're, that's about what I would compare it to. Sounds good. Anyway. So KG66Manta hopefully answers your question. You should be able to do this even with the game on and not have too much of a problem. But if you're worried about it, why not try a screwdriver? Why not try the alignment tools that we use and try adjusting it that way? Always better to adjust the monitor with it on. 
because you can actually tell what's going on, right, Tim? That's right. the problem. If you have it off, you can't tell how much brightness you need, how much focus you need. You know, so that's something that we always recommend. Make sure that you have you have it on when you do it. And, you know, like I said, just do the adjustments that you need to do. And uh, if you need to use those tools, use the tools instead. Okay, Tim, let's move to Benny P318. And he says, would you happen to know how to adjust the coin mech on a 1950s jukebox to accept customized tokens? It currently accepts quarters. No. No. <laughs> but if he give me a picture, I might can help him. Right. And if he watches our video, it's going to be something right. similar. Or maybe he can upgrade to a different mech. Right. I don't know without looking at it. I need a picture of it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know offhand. I, I kind of figured you were going to say that. I mean, obviously, we don't have a lot of experience with a lot yeah. of these different coin mechs. But, I mean, on a lot of these, if they are adjustable, Tim, they will have a screw that mm -hmm. adjusts them. And so he needs to look on his coin mech to see if there is a screw to adjust. If there's not, he might just have to get a whole new coin mech. Maybe. And put that in. So. Maybe. Send me a picture. I'll, I'll try to help him. I mean, we could probably figure it out. We saw a guy make one work with a penny one time. That's remember? right. So there, there's probably ways around it. You could even maybe file certain areas or something. But Sure. Okay, so Benny, hope, hopefully it answers your question. I, to be honest, though, I bet there's somebody out there sells something like that, too. Oh, yeah, depending on your jukebox, so, especially if it's one of the, the major brands, I'd mm -hmm. imagine so. So Benny P318 hopefully answers your question, and uh, good luck on your hunt for a coin mech, or send us a picture, and we might help you. might be able to help you adjust it. Okay, Tim, let's move to Proof for Real. And he says, hey, man, I'm having a problem on my MK2 cabinet. The screen is all horizontally and vertically screwed up. Maybe it's just horizontal or vertical, not even sure, but it looks stretched out like crazy and a bit blurry. Other than that, the game runs fine. Got anything to help me out? Thank you very much. And Tim, it just sounds like he needs to watch our video on adjusting an arcade monitor. Yeah, adjust an arcade monitor, and uh, it could be the sink, because that will skew it a little bit before it starts getting really fuzzy. So by adjusting the horizontal and the vertical kind of at the same time, or in one than the other, you might get rid of a lot of that. So he definitely needs to watch that video, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. So, I mean, proof for real, hopefully answer your question. Now, if you've been adjusting it, and you still can't figure out exactly what's going on, I mean, there might be some parts we need to replace on the chassis, so that's something to keep in mind. But try the adjustments first, and let us know how it goes from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to Noisy1CA. And he says, hey guys, I have a Golden T2005, and after about 20 minutes of play, if you bump or hit the machine too hard, the colors get distorted and change. If you hit it again, it comes back for a few minutes or until the next bump or hit of the machine. What can I check for, or do you know what the problem is? Thank you. Well, Tim, this is pretty common. Sure. And a lot of times it's Especially due with to, Golden T. Especially with Golden T. Because guys are Movement. getting playing, and they're... They're miss. They're miss. That. How many times have we miss that trackball or, hit the, or hit the screen yeah. or something? A lot of movement in right. a in a, uh, in a golden tee, and a lot of times it's just due from this kind of constant movement. Need to check the solder joints on the pins on the chassis, yes, and then also check the wires and check the wires at the harness and the wires themselves. Make sure they're not. So afraid. yeah, follow the colored wires, the red, green, blue, ground, and sync wires coming up from your board to your monitor chassis. On the back side of that, you need to reflow the solder. Right. And also check the pins and make sure that's a good connection. Now, and it could also be that there's something on the chassis in those color lines that there's a little solder, right. you know, a little cold solder the, joint in as well. We talked about this before. Every time Monica works on a chassis, he flips it over. First thing he'll do is just go touching up solder everywhere. Yep. And so, you know, that does help that. I think that's what but it is. But it seems like the, one of the most common fail points, though, is right there at those pins. And right. so hopefully Noisy1CA, that answers your question. Check those pins where where the monitor plugs in. Make sure that those are all, all nice, have fresh solder on them and everything like that. And also check the wiring as well. And you might have to do a little bit of uh, searching on your chassis as well in order to get this problem solved. 
Okay, Tim, let's move to grab my goobers. Now, he sent in like three questions, okay? Okay. So we're going to go over them kind of real quick here. But his first one is, hey, I have an MK2 machine I just got. There are two purple wires with a yellow strip in the back that are not hooked to anything, and two other wires that are not hooked to anything, and I'm not sure if they're supposed to be hooked up or not. Also, my test switch and credit buttons do not work, but both the volume buttons work. It appears someone spliced a wire into my machine as a cable that doesn't match any of the others. It goes into place labeled test on the CPU. Can you watch my video where I show what is wrong and maybe you can help me? I'm all new to this. Thank you and I love your videos. So he sent in and he actually had a separate one here, Tim, too. And he, ha- he says, my MK2 cabinet has four buttons in a row inside the coin door. One says credit, two are volume up and down, and the last one says test. The only two buttons that work are the volume and I check the wiring and it looks okay. Is there a way to test to see if these buttons that are bad or a problem with the wiring somewhere. I don't want to replace the buttons and find out it doesn't fix it. Thank you for the helpful videos. Okay, so Tim, obviously he's having some problems with some of the inside buttons on his cabinet. So this would be his test mode buttons and his uh, credit switch, it sounds like. Right. But the volume ones are working. So he's got the volume ones in there. Really sounds like maybe a grounding issue. Right. Because the fact that both of them don't work makes me think that maybe there's some ground. Like yeah. they're not being grounded. Here's what he needs to check. He needs to make sure he has a ground and the actuator button wire going to both of them. So he needs to look. Obviously, Mortal Kombat 2 is a JAMA button, so it has test switch positions on the JAMA harness. Make sure that wire and the ground wire are connected to his test switch. And to a service switch, a ground wire and the service switch are hooked up to that. Right. And remember, you can test those together. You just yeah, touch the wires touch together. touch the wires together. They should do it without even having to press the button. Right. So, Tim, is there anything you need to add to that? I know I, I went kind well, of fast there. Maybe one, explain it more. One thing he says was he didn't want to swap buttons. Well, why not? I mean, it's really not. you got a button right next to it. Just move your wires from one switch to the other and see if it's the switch. Right. Or he can put his meter on continuity and test his switch like that. And I know we shot a video on that before. We sure did, yeah. And so, yeah, he needs to test his switch. If he puts continuity on, he, you know, hooks his red probe up to one side of but the chair really switch. he really needs to then... watch our video on getting familiar with the JAMA standard yep. and tr- learn how to do continuity checks and go, make sure his wires are good going back. And wiring a push button would also help him out here too uh-huh. as well, Tim. So I think those two videos are the two he needs to check. So check out Getting Familiar with the JAMA Standard and Wiring a Push Button. Those two together should be able to help you out. Now, Tim, he has another problem with an Area 51. And he says, my Area 51 cabinet has lines on the top of the monitor. Any ideas what causes this? I've attached a video in case it helps. Thanks for looking. Right. Now, Tim, we have lines at the top of the monitor. A lot of times this is a bad cap, correct? Yeah, it looks like a capacitor. Okay, so you watch the video, it looks like a yeah, capacitor. Like so, uh, to do a cap, get on it. Okay, so there you go. On your Area 51 here, you're going to have to probably do a cap kit. Now, of course, you'll have to identify what monitor you have. We've talked about that earlier in the podcast here. But, you know, identify the monitor that you have, and then from there you can order a cap kit. Install it on that monitor. Should be good to go. And he had something kind of funny here, Tim, that I also threw in here. And this is uh, on our video about opening an arcade cabinet. He says, have you ever done this before and had somebody put the back on to scare someone when you pop out? So have you ever put yourself inside an arcade cabinet, Tim, put the back on it, and then, you know, when somebody went to open the door, you know, you pop out real quick? Well, uh, obviously, if you see me in the videos, I'm not the smallest guy. (laughs) And uh, I've been a long time since I could crawl up on one. But we did put one of our Atex inside of Frantic Fred one time <laughs> and uh, gave uh, one of the co-workers a, kind, of, kind of a scare. I told her to wipe the game down. And 
when she did, he just stuck his arm out of it. <laughs> that was kind of funny. There you go. So, so that definitely would have to be a much bigger cabinet. Pranks for me with to arcade get games, Tim. Right there. You know, you've just been. Uh, I don't know. It wouldn't be punked. I don't know exactly what it would be. <laughs> you were packed. <laughs> you were packed. There you go. <laughs> So uh, grab my goobers. Hopefully that answers all your questions. And uh, we like to have as good a time as anybody. We'll play our pranks from time to time as well. So never done one with an arcade game, but it sounds like Tim's at least done one with some of the redemption stuff that he's messed with. Okay, Tim, let's move to Seymour Max stuff. And he says, I just got a cool arcade called Rapid Fire, but the guns don't work. They are recoil SFX. Okay. So, Tim, I assume that he's got the recoil guns here. This is all he says. He just okay. says he's got a rapid-fire game, guns don't guns work, don't they're work. recoil. Well, you know, they, they are a light gun, and so you do have to have voltage going up there to them, or right. they won't work. We'll start simple. Right. And the very end of the tip of your gun is a lens. That yep. has to be clean and clear, so you can get some alcohol or something, Q-tip, and clean that very good. So, if, in other words, if it's not presenting, the light's not able, able to... I guess that would be refracted light or something right. going through there, then it's not going to work very good. So wiring and that will fix a lot of gun issues. Right. If that's not it, you're going to have to open it up. Open it up inside, you should see a small circuit board in there with an LED or an opto at the end. Yep. Look for broken traces there, or you can replace just that board, and you should contact HAP Controls. They probably sell the circuit board for it, and that would probably fix it unless... He has like a bad trigger. There's a switch if it's not, doesn't recognize the firing. But if you're getting sound like for the trigger and flashes on the screen, you could also have a monitor issue. You can try to turn your brightness up. Do the guns in test mode. See if they work there, if, the, if it's recognizing the trigger, some things like that. So it is, gun issues aren't hard, but there's about 10 things that they could be. Right. So it's really hard to narrow, narrow it down without seeing it. If you showed a video or something, but going to test mode, that may help him some. Now, Tim, we mentioned in the past... It may need just calibrated. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say calibration, but the big thing I was going to say is in the past we've mentioned that HAP has been kind of slowing down their production on guns. Do you still see this happening, that they're kind of getting less You know, I think so or? for a while, but at the same time, I haven't really noticed. I mean, we're still able to get them. I, I don't, maybe maybe it was a little bit of uproar, or maybe they found a new distributor or something, or I don't know. It seems like there's still a lot of these gun games floating around, so they haven't totally abandoned them yet. But I would think that eventually they are going to have, they're going to. There's yeah, not I mean, with no, many orders. you can't get two monitors anymore. And without two monitors, these guns just don't work properly. So, right. yeah, I'm with you. But, I mean, I just want to know if there's any kind of update on that. Because I know we I mentioned heard, it in the last one. I haven't okay. heard anything. Okay, sounds good. So, see more Max stuff. Hopefully it answers your question. And good luck getting your rapid fire game up and running. Okay, Tim, let's move to DC Runk. I guess that's how you say it, or D Crunk. D Crunk. D Crunk. And he left a comment on a repairing monitor collapse issues one. And he says, how many legs should a medium chip have? And I, I think he meant chip, okay. a medium chip. And I think he's referring to a vertical IC. And I think in that video we talk about the different ones have so many legs depending on, you know, what kind of vertical IC they are. And I can't remember, like, medium. I can't remember exactly how many legs they're supposed to have. Yeah, I, I believe know. we say it in the video, though. So um, you might go back and watch that video. And if you really want to know more about vertical IC chips, Michael's probably the man to tell you about them because yeah. he knows a lot about Don't that stuff. Don't we go into some stuff that's on the DVD-2 about that? I think um, we go we into do. transistors and stuff yeah, I and think... talk about how to tell the difference between the IC chip and just a regular 
a hot or something like that. A little bit, yeah. Actually, three. I think that's on okay, three. three? Okay. Maybe on the DVD we do a little bit more on that. Not a whole lot more, but just a little bit if you guys are interested in that. But, yeah, I think he's asking how many legs does a medium chip have. And, you know, like I said, I think it varies, but... Michael's probably a better person to answer that question. We do talk about it a little bit in the video, though, so you might watch that video again just to double-check to see what it says or check our post because I know that the post on it has always always has a little bit more detail than what the videos have, so you might check that out as well, but hopefully it answers your question here. Like I said, the legs, the legs kind of aren't really important to him just as long as you can get a replacement for the one that right. you have. So that's the most important thing. Okay, Tim, let's move to Michael Varcade. And hey, he, yeah, we haven't heard from him in a while, but he says, I'm Michael. having some problems with my Tron machine, and that's all he said, and he left a video. So, Tim, we watched Michael's video, and it sounds like he's got a couple problems, but the main problem that he's asking about has to do with some video output. It looks like all of his sprites and things have lines going through them. Right. And so this does sound like a board issue that he's probably having, not so much voltage. Uh, probably need to check out some of those socketed chips. Yeah, one thing I would say about Tron, check your ribbon cable. Oh, that's right. I forgot about and those ribbon cables. it would be a good time to replace them. You can get a new set of those. That will cause some of that sometimes. You're exactly right, Tim. Very but I am point. concerned, though, about the the voltage getting there. And because it's this coin door where he talked about his key getting hot and so forth, I would check the wires going to your lights. Yes. And make sure that they're not touching metal or grounding out somewhere you got some issues there going on. Nobody wants to touch your coin door and get electrocuted. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I lean my knee up, if I'm in my shorts, I lean my knee up against your coin door. It's right. not going to be happening. And it's happened <laughs> to us before where we had a mild, and a lot of times if the ground, game's not grounded, yep. check your ground plug and so forth. But definitely got some issues there and a wiring somewhere. I'm with you on the ribbon cables. I still think he needs to check his chips a little yeah, bit. Yeah, to push them. We've talked... So it's like we always have this theme kind of going, you know, <laughs> right. every time we do a podcast. And, and you see, and, the, the fact that the lines are going through all the sprites makes me not think it's a ROM issue, but makes me think there's probably some something in the logic that's going wrong here. And mm -hmm. so he needs to check some of the logic chips on there and see what's going on. You know, you were mentioning the TTNL cookbook earlier yeah. and doing some of that. Uh, it really sounds like that's more what he needs to do here is right. check some of the logic. Yes, ask, could we shoot a video? Well, maybe we do need to show how to use a logic probe or something to do something like that. But definitely, Michael, you need to figure out what's sending voltage up to your door. That's more that, of a problem. That could be causing some other issues or damaging other areas. So I would start there, check all those wires going to your door. Maybe you got something, you know, wired wrong, trace them back to through your pinouts and so forth. So, Michael, hopefully that answers your question. It does sound like you need to do a little board inspecting. Tim's exactly right. Those ribbon cables on Trons give a lot of trouble, given us a lot of trouble in the past. So check your ribbon cables. You also need to check some of your chips on the board. Make sure that those are seated good, well clean, you got good legs on them. Check all that. And then also on your coin door, like he was saying, check the light wiring. Make sure that none of that's touching the door and, and giving you some of that voltage. That's that's a pretty big issue. Like Tim said, could be causing other issues in your game as well. So check those things. Let us know how it goes with your try, and hopefully you can get it up working 100% real soon. Tim, one thing we should say is it's real close. Real yeah. close to 100% working. Yeah, it's looking I mean, good. Just a couple things here and there, and he'll be right up. So hopefully answer your questions, Michael. Good luck with that repair. And, Tim, our last question of the night comes from Hijacked1, and it was concerning our checking and replacing a power supply video. And he says, where does the on-off button go between which wires? And, and, Tim, it really depends on what kind of on-off switch you're talking about. Right. A lot of the standard uh, two, I guess the two-prong power switches that we see, 
you know, all you're going to do is you're going to take one of your AC wires and you're going to run it through the switch, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, either uh, yeah, you don't do both wires, right? You just do one, and all you're doing is essentially switching it so that it's just like taking it and stripping both wires. When you touch it together, it works. When you turn it off or disconnect that connection. And I even sometimes get confused. Sometimes you'll get a switch. I have all these stuff. Right. Here's a simple way to do it. Take your meter and put it on continuity and go between two places that only beep when you go up and on. Right. That's as simple as I can put it right now. When they beep, you know that that's making continuity between them. When you turn on, you could do that with your black wire. We need to shoot or a video. You could, do the white wire. you could actually do the white wire. Yeah. Doesn't but we need, to, we need to shoot a video on yes, this. Because this is something that people are always asking. How do I put a power switch in my game? Because so many times people wire around the power switches. Right. And, and I can even think back, Jonathan, when, when I wouldn't say we were exactly newbies, but we, we would do that sometimes. Oh, we're yeah. just like, eh. But we have learned over the years, you want to be, there's opportunities. You see some smoke coming from your game or something's messing up. I've seen plenty of times spill a drink or something. You want to be able to turn it off and turn it off fast. Right. And so if your game does not have a working on-off switch, I would say just take from my voice of experience that every game should be able to turn off and on. Well, another thing is if you're putting these games out on route, I mean, it's a lot of times your site holders want to be able to keep the game plugged in and turn them off. Because they don't want to have to reach back there and unplug it every time they turn it off. So for them, a power switch is much easier, works a lot better. So Hijacked One, hopefully that answers your question. And uh, good luck with getting that power switch wired. Hopefully we'll be shooting a video on that soon. And Tim, that does it for our questions for episode 27. Tim, we're getting caught up, slowly but surely. I'm thinking like two, three more episodes, we're going to be to current questions. Mm -hmm. We have quite a few current questions right now. They're kind of in the queue. So if you've mailed us... I, since about the middle of December and haven't gotten a response back, uh, you know, it's nothing to be worried about. We're still here, but um, we'll get to you very soon. We kind of took a little bit of a hiatus there, but hopefully we'll be getting to your questions soon via email. Now, Tim, we did promise that we'd get a little bit of an update on the USPS Dragon's Lair scandal that we right. had for Stan from the last well, episode. Before you start, right. <laughs> I want to thank everybody who responded. We had a couple people who either worked for USPS or right. had friends at USPS. We won't mention any names so that the innocent can stay protected. Right. We'll just call them Newman. <laughs> and so go. thank you, Newman, for the insider that knows that some guys are playing field goal kicks with our boxes. No, no, we, no really, we did have some people that were weren't Very enough, helpful. And, and very, very helpful, helpful and sent some links and gave us some names. I mean... Man, it's not what you know, so you know, John. And, and that's what we said last time, and I want I to thank those people. I think some of these people. guys work for the CIA or something, <laughs> man. I was like, wow. But we want to thank those guys, especially Stan wants to thank you guys a whole yes, he bunch. Does. I mean, even though he couldn't be here tonight with us, he wants to thank you guys a whole lot for doing that for us, and that's a that's a big deal to him. So, Tim, Tim has the update from Stan, and so tell us about it. What What's well, going on? this is a Thursday night. Thursday and night. And he has class tonight, so he couldn't do the podcast with us. Right. But last night I was at his house and he had got a slip in the mail that said he had a package at the downtown, one of those that you have to sign for. Right. And so we're pretty optimistic. We're thinking, well, because he said he can't remember ordering anything lately because, you know, you just spent a lot of money on Christmas and stuff, so he hadn't ordered anything. So we're really hoping that it's something that he has to go and pick up and inspect. Well, those are some key words. So I definitely do think that some of the tips we got 
helped. And so, you know, that's what's cool about this hobby, though. Definitely. You know, we I do this all the time. You do uh, some computer work all the time. So you're kind of, we have guys that do to, their jobs totally different. It's a great way for them to relax, but they also, we share the ideas. People say, all, ask us all the time, why would you do this for free? Well, one thing is because we believe in sharing of knowledge right. and mentoring and, and passing on that knowledge, but because when we need help, we have people that come to our help too. So it's not like, I mean, we don't do it for that reason, but at the same time, we understand the principles that uh, give and take. Hey, it's and, karma, and right? give and receive, right? Exactly. You know? And so... Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Exactly. So, you know, that's really... And it makes life fun. Right. Makes life fun when you got people that you know, and and, and when things happen or, or whatever you're going through, you're, you're dealing with. Or also you can share your knowledge and teach a kid or, to, or work at a community center and get their trackball going. And so... This is what this is really about. So thank you guys for writing in. And as soon as we know more, we'll we'll hit on the Facebook we page. Might even, I hope maybe tomorrow. We might even do a special <laughs> podcast just right. for that because that was so yeah. important. And and what we talk about it because we want you to be careful when you ship stuff. Yes. That's uh, and so it's valuable. So lesson learned the hard way, I think, from Stan's in, but And if you should ship USPS, go priority. Right. <laughs> Signature, insurance. That's right. Tracking so, numbers. Go priority. But anyway, Tim, is that all you had to say about the USPS update? That's, that's your all update. I can okay, say that's now. all he can say right the now. The rest I've sworn to secrecy and I want to be alive tomorrow to see another. But we dose. might, I, I mean, I've been wanting to do a live podcast before maybe Pinball Festival. So maybe we'll do a, a short live podcast, like an hour. And <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll shoot a we'll video of going to the post office or something. I that would know. be pretty sweet. Maybe we'll do that <laughs> and we'll shoot a little video and we'll show it to you guys because I know everybody out there is just on pins and needles, you know, as to whether or not he's going to get his boards back or whatever the case may be. So um, hopefully that at least satisfies everybody for now. We'll get more updates to you as they as they come in. Tim, I think that just about does it for this episode. And uh, before we go, though, we have all these announcements. And Tim, you know, I realize that there's not just arcade and pinball festivals going on in Texas. Sure. So in the announcements this time, I put some of the other expos and festivals and stuff that are going on. So we'll get right those idea. here right now. The first thing I do want to promote, though, is the American Amusement Auctions auction coming up on March 10th at the Mesquite Rodeo Center in Mesquite, Texas. This is, of course, run by our good friends David and Sean. Great auction company. Great place to get arcade games. People are always asking us, where do you get arcade games from? Auctions are one of the best places to get arcade games from. And David and Sean do an absolutely fantastic job running American Amusement Auctions. But again, March 10th at the Mesquite Rodeo Center in Mesquite, Texas. The preview will be from 8 to 10, and the auction starts at 10, just like always. For more information, please visit their website at AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. And, of course, me and Tim have been friends with David especially and Sean for quite a while, and we trust those guys. They do a good job. Again, AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. So, Tim, let's talk about some of the festivals that are coming up. March okay. is a big month for festivals. Seems like it. And we're going to have another podcast between now and March, at least one other one. But I want to get these in so people can go ahead and make their pre-registration or whatever they need to do for these events. The first one we're going to talk about is the Louisville Arcade Expo 2012. It's going to be March 2nd through the 4th at the Ramada Plaza Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky. A weekend pass is $35 at the door, $30 in advance. And a one-day pass is $15 at the door or $12 in advance. And, of course, their whole thing is that they're bringing back the golden days of arcades by providing a place where people can bring their arcade video games, pinball machines, and classic consoles to play, trade, and sell. So, Tim, unlike Pinball Festival, they 
have console games. So okay. more like the hag in this case. And you guys can find out more information and get pre-registered at louisvillearcade.com. And also check out their Facebook page at facebook.com slash louisvillearcade. And if you guys are anywhere in the Louisville, Kentucky area on March 2nd through the 4th, highly recommend you go out, check out these guys, and play some arcade games. You know, here at Arcade Repair Tips, we talk about fixing the game and playing the game. My favorite part, Tim, is playing the game. I mean, I like fixing games. Fixing games is fun, but the reason I fix games is so I can play them. And why not just go out there, have a good time with some fellow arcade pinball collectors, play some good games, and just have have fun. A lot of times they have parts and stuff out on too. Oh, yeah. Like they have uh, swap meets a lot of times, too, where you can get things like that. We did talk to Louisville Arcade Expo. We we talked to some of the guys on Twitter, and they specifically wanted me to mention that you can pre-register on their website and check out their Facebook page because they said there will be some announcements very soon. So Louisville Arcade Expo 2012, again, check out louisvillearcade.com for pre-registration and information. And Tim, we also have the Midwest Gaming Classic coming up on March 24th through the 25th, so the same weekend as Pinball Festival for us. But it's at the Sheraton Milwaukee Brookfield Hotel in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Now, Tim, this one is going to be $25 in advance for a weekend pass, and it looks like, from what I gathered from their website, they only sell one-day passes at the door. Okay. So you can't get a weekend pass at the door, but a one-day Saturday pass is $20, and a one-day Sunday pass is $10. And this is an all-encompassing electronic gaming event that features home video arcade consoles, pinball machines, arcade video games, and computers. So oh, you get all okay. sorts of cool stuff. And you guys can find out more information and can get pre-registered at MidwestGamingClassic.com. And I believe that Jersey Jack might also be a sponsor of the Midwest Gaming Classic. And we talked to Jersey Jack last year, and we got to be at the little announcement that he did at the Pinball Festival. And uh, some really cool stuff. You guys need to, you know, definitely check it out if you haven't already. And if you're anywhere, again, in the Milwaukee general area of Brookfield, Wisconsin, or Milwaukee, uh, check this out. Again, that's going to be March 24th to the 25th. More information at MidwestGamingClassic.com. And, of course, Tim, we have the Texas Pinball Festival, which All is right. our one of our favorite events of the year. And this year it's going to be March 23rd to the 25th at the Hilton DFW Lakes in Grapevine, Texas. A weekend pass is $40 at the door, $30 in advance. And a one-day pass for Friday or Saturday is $20. And a Sunday pass is $10. There will be over 200 pinball machines, classic video games, and other game room goodies all set up on free play. For more information and pre-registration, please visit their website at texaspinball.com. Tim, anything you want to say about the Texas Pinball Festival? We're obviously going to be there this year, which is always a big thing. From what I understand, we haven't been to a ton of different festivals, but it is one of the biggest. Yeah, and it is a little bit more expensive. As you notice, it's $40, $30 in advance, but a little bit more expensive than what the Midwest Game Classic and the Louisville Arcade Expo are. But it is gigantic, Tim. It's one of the biggest. There's all sorts of pinball games there from every era that you can think of. It's amazing. Love the Texas Pinball Festival, and we want to thank Craig and all the organizers of the Texas Pinball Festival for all the effort that they put in, as well as all the organizers of all these other expos, Tim. Because without these expos, I feel like a lot of the general public would lose touch with arcade, especially classic arcade and pinball machines. Because it just seems like you don't find them anymore. So hopefully, between those three, Tim, you can find an expo to go to in March where you can play some games. I mean, that's that's the kicker here. We want you guys to be able to play some games. So check out either the Louisville Arcade Expo at louisvillearcade.com or the Midwest Gaming Classic at midwestgamingclassic.com or the Texas Pinball Festival at texaspinball.com. And, of course, if anybody knows of any other festivals or want to promote theirs, just be sure and let us know, and we'll yeah, be glad to mention it. Yeah, email questions at arcaderepairtips.com or one of the other many ways that you guys can get a hold of us, and we'd be glad to feature your expo as well. Or if you have an auction company or, or something you know would be good for people to know about, please let us know. We'll add it to our announcements for the next episode. 
Well, Tim, I think that about wraps us up for 27. Before Yay. we leave, though, let's go ahead and give our contact information. As we just said, you guys can get a hold of us via email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. That's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. And hopefully me, myself, Tim, or, or one somebody will get around to answering your question at some point. Again, we're kind of backed up on questions, as you guys have probably noticed, but we are trying to answer all the recent ones that are coming in as best we can. So, you know, again, questions.arcaderepairtips.com. We also have our voicemail line, which, Tim, once we get all the backlog kind of taken care of, we're going to do just a voicemail podcast of all the voicemails. So you guys will get to do – we'll do a special episode for that. But for right now, we're holding off on the voicemail. So if you're leaving voicemails, guys, it's not that we're not answering them. We're saving them up for that one. But you guys can leave a voicemail at 972 the number 8 AR tips is an arcade repair tips. That's 972-827-8477. And, you know, it's, we like voicemails. We wish we could call everybody back, but right now it's just, you know, we're trying to still catch up with things. So it's going to be a little while. Wait for that voicemail podcast special edition we have coming up soon to hear all the voicemails played. And of course, Tim, we have a, our social media and we have Twitter. We have a Twitter account and that's twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. You guys can go there and you can see all of our Twitter stuff. And a lot of that stuff gets cross posted to our Facebook as well. But, you know, sometimes it's good to get a hold of us there if you guys want to send us a tweet back or whatever, you know. Follow us at twitter.arcaderpairtips.com. We also have an iTunes page where you can find all of the episodes of the podcast, and that's at itunes.arcaderpairtips.com. You guys go on there, leave a nice little review. You know, we mm-hmm. like positive reviews, Tim will tell you. And let us know what you think of the podcast, what we need to change, if you think that uh, we need to add something or whatever the case may be. Again, you guys can go to iTunes, let us know, itunes.arcaderpairtips.com. Tim, we also have our YouTube page where we have all of our videos posted, and hopefully we'll have more posted sometime this year. We've been so busy with other things that it's been really hard to post some videos, but hopefully I'll get some edited pretty soon, and you'll see them at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com very soon. And we have all sorts of good stuff on there. That's where all of our videos are. And, of course, you can also find those all linked on our website as well. And then, Tim, we have our wonderful Facebook page that Mark, who we heard from earlier in the podcast, runs. And you guys can check out our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. And a lot of times if you want to get your question answered faster, that's a better place to go because we have the entire community there. A lot of guys on there, not just us, will be able to answer a lot of your questions. There's actually some very knowledgeable people on there. Before I can even get to a response, it's already been answered by two or three people. So very probably the fastest way to get a question answered or if you're working on something, even almost in real time, uh, you can get a response. That's right. And we're about 430 or Seven. so. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know exactly. Mark would know because he runs all that stuff. But you guys can check it out there. And, Tim, before I forget, our YouTube subscriptions, you want to take a guess on how many YouTube subscriptions we have? I mean, just a rough number. Well, let's see. My cousin, <laughs> Ray Ray. Your wife. Lefty, my wife. <laughs> I would say we're up to at least, I don't know, 100. Uh, try 900. Wow. <laughs> so if we could hit a thousand, that would be really awesome. Yeah, and, okay. and of course, YouTube, by subscribing to YouTube, you actually get to know exactly when we release videos. Cause a lot of times we'll release the video before we make the post on the site. And so it's a good way for you guys to find out when the videos are coming out, the exact time they get posted and all that good stuff. You guys can subscribe by going to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, I saw 900 though. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's good. I, you must know 900 people and I must have told them all to sign up. <laughs> Man, that's the only thing I could figure. I can't. I couldn't get 900 people that I. I couldn't name 900 people that I know. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But uh, no, thanks. Every, thanks everybody. It it shows though that there is a community for this. Yeah. And uh, and then there's also a lot of other good videos. When, oh yeah. And you you'll find 
I, we've I've learned some just from watching. Now it seems like I wouldn't say we pioneered it, right? But we were one of the first people that were posting our stuff, and even even some stuff we didn't really know what we were doing. We we're just trying to get some information out there. And now it seems like some people are on, are on on board, and we got a lot of good stuff on there. So we share that some of that information uh, with other people. So by all means, you know, go on our YouTube page and uh, b- become a member and s- subscribe. And people leave questions there. That's where we get the questions from. If you guys want to help answer questions, watch the videos, look at the comments, right. and you'll see people. A- I, w- I will questions. say this, Jonathan, just from my spam filters and stuff. When they go through arcade repair tips questions, I get those emails faster and sometimes i don't get the other ones quite at all i don't know my spam filters catching it or what and and those we're pretty good about at least trying to send a quick response before we go into more details on a podcast or something sounds good so guys i think that wraps it up for this episode of the podcast tim anything you want to mention before we head out any you know I don't know, peace, love, or, or signs, or, or anything else you want to add before no, we head I just, out? I hope that everybody had a great Christmas holiday and that, uh, you know, it's a new year. And so maybe let's start some goals. We'll, maybe our goal will be to try to do more podcasts or something. <laughs> uh, maybe you have some resolutions, that maybe some games. that I, I know I've got some projects that's kind of my New Year's resolution to get out there and get in the garage and get some of this stuff And unlike out. real New Year's resolutions, let's keep these. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've already given up on the losing weight one, so maybe I can keep this one. So there you go, guys. And, of course, of course, like we said, you guys can contact us at the methods that we mentioned before. And if you guys have questions, please send them in to us. We love to hear them. And remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the, the game. game. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under Podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.